think we're on the internet? Hello, internet. Uh, this is The Game, brought to you by Dungeon Studios. Uh, I am your host, Grum, the grumpiest of the old man Merwins, joined, uh, as always, with a person who is not a doctor of chaos or a doctor of doom, but is in fact the keeper of the Cthulhu, Dr. Platorius. Hey, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Good to see you. Good to see everybody tonight. tonight. Hey, wonderful. We are also joined with us. Uh, yes, I can't talk today. Joined with a spite, but... <laughs> I love it. I made it about eight seconds before I screwed something up. Joined tonight, a special guest, the host, creator, and mind behind Goblets and Warlocks, Jugen. Jugen, say hi to the internet. Hello, internet. Hello, everybody. How are you doing tonight? Well, they'd be better if they weren't listening to us because this has been a train wreck so far. I keep forgetting that the uh, the music settings don't carry over between screens. I think I let you guys talk on the intro part of the stream without the music playing for about 30 seconds before I figured that out. And I clearly didn't remember how to start this shit up when we got back in. So, I think we're good. We made it. We made it. We made yeah, it. We're, we're, we're okay. good so far. We'll see how it goes. Well, also, Roll wasn't built in a day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, I think maybe I don't have to turn the music. I've been trying to hand fade the music this whole time. Uh, but I think it's set up on the loop that it just stops on its own. So I can stop messing around with it. That'd be nice. Anyways, like I said, we are the game. A special stream on Sunday. Uh, gives yeah, us a to like, I, I, I guess I have to put it out there that, you know, uh, Merwin always picks on me for all my discords that I'm friends with and, and you know, frequent. And that's actually how I came across uh, Jugen. Uh, I, I, I don't, you know, Merwin considers me a troll. I consider, I consider myself a good troll, and, and, I, and I have to say, when I got to Goblins and Warlocks, there's very specific rules. I pick my role. I'm still like feeling out, but I really like the way it's set up and everything. And I and, and I just felt there's so many games going on and different DMs DMing, and, and then there's Twitch streams going on, and and immediately I said I have to invite him on the game. Because this is somebody really doing it. You know, we're always talking about we can't even get test players, right? So that's that's how this came about and why you're with us tonight. So when it says intro the guest, I just wanted to say thank you uh, for letting me in and checking everything out. And it's been really cool for me, so thank you. That's first of all. Sorry, I get so excited to have you on with us. Well, Doc, let me thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no, I'm glad to have you here. And Doc, let me clarify, I don't make fun of you as far as you know about these things. And I appreciate your network of people, trolls, and spies. Uh, I am a big fan of it. So, uh, like we always do, uh, as I was explaining before... We uh, lost you. Did you? You're, You're faded out, Merwin, so you know. Am I uh, am I moving around in front of the mic like a dummy? Is that why? Yeah, yeah. I think we lost you regionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Much, much better. better. Thank Back you. Now. Okay, I was uh, I was leaning away. I got I got to work on my setup. As I was about to say, though... Uh, no, uh, we're happy to have uh, friends and people on. Anyways, uh, I watch some of your stuff. I look forward to talking to you. So what we normally do on the show, uh, is, as Doc and I have done, is we go through our nerd cred, kind of your origin story as a gamer. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing yours. But before we do, rules are rules, and shameless plugs must be done. So we're going to burn through these real quick, Jugen, but you will get a chance at the end to plug yourself, uh, which you may or may not be doing while we talk. I don't know. Anyways, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody out there. I just want to let you guys know. Uh, please check out our website, DungeonStudios.co. We have adventures. We have the Enron Chronicle. We have 
a book that went up from Doc last week. Doc, how is oh, yeah. the Monsters of the oh, Map yeah. going? Uh, Map Monsters. Monsters. Uh, we, we had, had some sales, so I'm kind of pumped about it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, just to have some Map Monsters from uh, Ancient Explorers, from the old Age of Exploration. But the uh, Dungeon Studios uh, Kickstarter uh, mm-hmm. was fully funded, too, so that's great news. Uh, and we also uh, reached one of our goals where we're going to have some encounters uh, that go out with the set as well for those people that uh, backed us. So thank you, those uh, backers out there as well. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it is officially over. Well, at least the Kickstarter's over. So thanks again, like Doc said, for everybody who supported us. Uh, two stretch goals we got. We got the cookbook. We got the encounter pack. And uh, now all that has to happen is we just have to write everything because we were slacking off for the last nine months. But don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. We probably will start sometime the day before it's due to go out. So don't worry about it, guys. You'll get it. We thank you for funding us. Definitely uh, on the level. He's so teasing. He's so teasing. Yeah. No, we're hard at work at it, and we cannot thank you guys enough for all that you have done. Uh, and let's take a little moment to, to shout internally. Uh, as you said, uh, finding playtesters and people to review things is always a challenge. So uh, I wanted to thank uh, our people in-house that have come along and uh, from our outside games who have chipped in to help playtest modules, give feedback, mostly tell me that I'm terrible and I use all the words. Perfectly fine. But we are getting uh, a great product out to you guys, I hope. But I'm, uh, you know, unrepentant. We've got, got two more DMs. DMs. we got, got two more DMs this week to step, in, step up and volunteer to DM for us for test plays. So that's great because we need some DM input as well. So that's yeah, awesome. Absolutely. And uh, I know we harp on getting uh, players in here to play test stuff. You know, new people. Your experience is valuable. Your starting point, whether it's uh, day one DM or a newbie player uh, can be of value to us. In fact, I would not mind having newer DMs come in. You can run some of our content and uh, kind of cut your teeth with uh, people in a live game as a DM uh, and then kind of you know use that to springboard you into your own successful home game. So, uh, Otherwise, future projects, I want to bring up a couple of things. We are working feverishly on Fables of the Forgotten. Our cast is set. The scripts are being written. I've written some of them, kind of-ish. There are some good scripts I've read. The stories are good. Yeah, the adaptation is going well. Yeah, so uh, we also brought in some new writers, and we got a bunch of things in the works for all of our fans, all three of you out there on the internet. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sticking with us, and thank you for being here. Uh, Outside of that, just a reminder, you know, like, share, subscribe. Send this video to your friends if you're able to listen to us live. Awesome. If you check us out on your favorite podcasting apps, you know, go ahead and hit that heart. Give us a download. Send it to some other people. Uh, I hear we're, I think we're up to like, uh, I think 80 or 90 uh, just from wow. excuse me just from Spotify Anchor if I remember correctly I might have that wrong uh, but it's been going up and up every week and that's the big thing which is consistency uh, one of the things you're going to actually looking forward to talking to you about I was checking out your uh, your channel looking at some of your stats and I have some questions so uh, please take a moment during the shameless plug to give yourself one tell yeah, what you're going to find you and uh, yeah, let's get into it all right, well, uh, thank you for having me on the show once again. Uh, thanks for popping my cherry for a first ever podcast ever. And thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, my name is Jugan. Uh, it's my gamer tag I came up with, I don't know how many years ago, for uh, Xbox Live when you had me to plug in a gamer tag. And uh, old Magic the Gathering people, maybe we recognize the name. It was Jugan the Rising Star, an ancient green dragon. That's where I got the name from. Really from uh, that's from it's from Comic Owl Block. Yep. Six Mana Dragon. Awesome effects. I uh, 
Green Oh, and I'm a green player for life. I will tell you really quick, not to cut into your shameless plug and nerd cred time, but the thing that hooked me more than anything else was was looking at the cards the first time uh, in Alpha Pack when I was in high school in 93, and I saw the Crawlworm, the original dark, dusky, sexy, dragony art that that was, and I was hooked forever at that point. So, uh, In fact, I actually have um, I have somewhere, what do I have? I have some old cards that I keep around that are some of my favorites, all green. So, but I don't want to get into any more of your time. So, uh, where can people find you, and what are you doing right now on the interwebs? Uh, currently, I have a YouTube called Goblets and Warlocks. Uh, it used to be. I, I started out. Uh, I'll, we'll go ahead and live. So you can find me on Goblets and Warlocks on YouTube, um, uh, and currently a live stream on Twitch. I have viewer rewards for Twitch. Uh, if you follow for the first time during a stream, you give a D4 to any player. I, I guess just to say uh, you streamed uh, D&D, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but like people can come in and affect the stream and uh, follows, uh, get the subs, review rewards, uh, and also have sound bites where you can make us take a 19 second dance break if you chose choose to give us 500 bits for it. So. But yeah, it's, it's always fun. fun. It's great. We try to interact with the fans as much as possible, and that's where you can find us. Uh, so we, I stream every Monday night until I have to go to nights because I am in the Navy, which are making me go to nights in February. So all my all my streams will be bi weekly by then. Um, I'm currently running four campaigns. The first and last Monday is Locals of Icewind Dale, which is the Icewind Dale campaign, the official D&D campaign from Wizards of Ghost. Uh, Middle Mondays is my homebrew campaign called Word of the Goblet. We're on episode 5 coming up. No, 6 coming up. Uh, I think it's episode 6 tomorrow night, which is why we're doing a special event for they're doing this on Sunday because I told them, like, I run my games on Mondays, so I can't record on Mondays for this. Well, it's apparent that Monday is the night for people because uh, some of our other collaborators and friends and future guests, uh, they record on Mondays. We did our podcast on Monday. So uh, it seems to be the day to do the things, which I think is a testament to the fact that none of us watch sports. So, <laughs> oh, I watch sports all. I watch sports all the time. I love the NFL, but you know Monday is the best day for all the players. So that, uh, it's not only me juggling the schedule; it's also the players juggling the schedule. That's hence why I have two separate campaigns on Mondays because they can't switch off from Mondays. And every bi-weekly on Saturdays, which is coming back this Saturday, is my. First ever D&D campaign that streamed. It started it's going on two years old now. Uh, Descending into earnest. And then on February 4th is the new Dragonlance campaign for an official that just came out on the 3rd of February. Uh, got mostly all female cast for that. Because mostly that's everybody who applied for it. And um, that'll be starting up too. So I just got overlays in. We're still finalizing the art and for my contacts for players in the game. Amazing, I have amazing people in my Discord for art. Uh, speaking of, if you're not a member of my Discord, you can always join my Discord. We do giveaways every month. Um, right now, one of my staff members is giving away a set of dice. That was a Hobbit Shire bag. Hey, guys, the coolest thing in the world. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. It's like a nice bag, and it like rolls up. Oh, it's so cool looking. Yeah, I definitely 
Well, hey, you, know, you see, you're scamming for the freebies. I see what Doc's doing. He's out there cruising for bits for himself. I'm just trying to help the podcast out and get free stuff for myself. No, you know, you know, you know, you know, I can't take it. I, I just want to win, win it. I can't take it anyway. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just a contest. Geez. Geez. Hey, you might get in or if you want to enter, it's fine. Hey, no, it's good. You are an incredibly busy person when it comes to all this stuff. So I'm curious then. Uh, moving into the nerd cred part of it. So where did your journey as a nerd begin? How did you get into all this, and how did you get so busy? Well, uh, I'm going to bring, bring in my age now, now so uh, I'll be turning 40 in March. March. I'm not shy about, about it. You got a baby. You're a wee lad. You're a wee baby. Wee lad. So basically, um, I got into magic uh, middle school, Magic the Gathering, that's pretty much where my nerd cred was. I, some kid brought some of these cards, I was like, what are these? And this Magic the Gathering, so basically had deck just slid in half and just kind of played there, and I got put into that for years. Um, towards the end of my high school stint of Magic the Gathering, I got, like, you know, you know how it is. It's like the little kids that has the parents that buys them all the best cards, whatever, and you're sitting across the table and it's like 10 year olds kicking your butt because you can't afford the cards that he has. And all that stuff. I could see that happening. Yeah. I, I could see that. I mean, I don't know what it is. I just figured it. I just figured it. Food buying, you know, going to school and all this. I was like, I can't afford these. So I basically, basically, I basically quit that because of that. And I'm a very competitive person. Might not show it, but. When, when I, I get beat by, like, a, you know, five, eight-year-old on the other side of the table, it really puts it in perspective. It's like, yeah, this is, I'm going to have to quit this. And then, you know, when I was stationed, I'm in the Navy, too, by the way, so I've been in the Navy 15 years. So when I was stationed in the Navy, by the way, thank you for serving, man. Thank you for your support, because I never know ever to say that when people do say that, so I came up, thank you for your support. So, uh, But, yeah. Uh, hey, it's way to feel life. I, I, I consider that I failed at life and I joined the military. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I got tired of working dead in jobs, but that's a whole other story. That's not part of nerd, right? But when I was going to come out of Japan, I got bored and I went to one of their magic shops and I picked up a bunch of Japanese cards and stuff and uh, magic gathering in Japanese language, I guess you should say. That's how I got back into magic there for the longest time. But when I first ever played D&D, was back in high school, and I knew of D&D. I didn't know what it was all about or anything, really. And then um, this one kid, he had the books and stuff for lunch, and I don't know what edition it was. I think it was either second or third edition at the time where you could play an ogre. Ogre was uh, open to a race. Now, I wanted to play an ogre. He's a tall guy with bowlats. And what I can remember of the campaign they were playing, we played every day for 30 minutes during lunch. And um, we were in some town that was overwhelmed by zombies. Uh, actually, when we first started, uh, there was three of us. Two of us went down, and he gave us an option. One tunnel to the left, one tunnel to the right. Me and Ellie, I went down the one tunnel to the left, and he went to the one to the right by himself, and the thing collapsed and killed his character right right. <laughs> oh, that's... That's that's classic '80s Dungeons and Dragons right there. When you said ogre, and I'm thinking, when when we able to play an ogre? And then I was thinking, this sounds like second edition homebrew, something out of Dragon Magazine. No, no actually, yeah, it could have been if it was a sorry, if it was official, it could have been it could have been Dragonlance because there was something there was, was put out. 
Uh, for the Urda, which were the the original ogres before they were corrupted. So there okay. were rules on playing those. So it could have been that. Okay. It could have been homebrew. All right, that, that sounds, sounds great. This is a great story. story. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah but I don't know. Yeah, it, it was in a book. book. I could play it, and I was like, like um, and of course, when, when, he, when he first approached me and wanted to play, I was like, can I be a dragon? dragon? He's, He's like, you, you got to be a real reason. Give me a real reason to be a dragon. I was like, well, I was like, uh, it's my last dying wish to be a dragon. Wait, 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 wait. I got to stop for a second. So you were playing Dungeons & Dragons in the cafeteria in high school? It was more like the hallway of the cafeteria. That was like the only place kind of secluded off the side where we would be in the hallway. away from everybody a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, were, we, were we were the group that nobody wanted to come talk to us. <laughs> but uh, I don't even think I don't even think we could even do that uh, when I was in school in the eighties. Couldn't even do that. You wouldn't even do that hallway. You, you it was relegated to the club. To the club, and even then, people were throwing eggs at the windows. But go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, well, eventually, uh, we eventually went to some town that was overwhelmed by zombies, and then we ended up saving a screaming little girl that would not stop screaming. And the biggest thing I remember, we got to the roof, and this girl would not stop screaming, so collectively we decided to just chuck the girl off the roof into the zombie horde. <laughs> yep. Nice. God, I missed I miss, I miss the 80s. <laughs> and then for some reason I decided to jump off the roof and I rolled badly and broke my leg and that's about as much as I remember of it well, like 30 minutes every day for lunch for a year well, a whole lot of stuff to cover but that was my great percentage of D&D then after after I joined the Navy uh, my very first command uh there's these guys that was in the Liberty Center outside the ship, and the Star Wars version of D&D they were playing. So I played that, and I got my first taste of, like, uh, actually running a few sessions or something. Being a game master. Yeah, I was like, they told me, it's like, I, I got to go to watch, so you can take over and run, you know. And this is where I learned, like, if you watch my videos now, this is where I learned the high-low method. If I, if, like, they roll one of those, like, in-between rolls, you like, uh, I don't know if that was the seat or not. And I was like, all right, give me a high-low. If they want to do some off-the-off high-low, let's see if it works, you know. I roll a D100, they say high, it works, whatever. And then, um, I played that. Then, and then when I got to my last man in Washington State and some co-workers, they played D&D, and I was like, I was like, I haven't played that in years. I want to play that. And um, so I went over to the house, I built this uh, red-haired paladin, which, um, you know, I had to make her beautiful and everything because, you know, I'm a dude. Uh, crazy bat story. We are playing Descendant of Ernest, which is now, if you go watch that stream now, uh, Flick, she's in my game. She is now playing that character because that game I was playing it abruptly ended, and I was going to bring him into an NBC to finish out her story because that was my first character back, and I got really invested in her story. And um, I was going to bring her as an NPC, but I discovered early on in the games I was running that running an NPC off a of full fledged character sheet was really hard for combat and stuff, and if Flick, we, she really wanted to come in and play. I was like, well, I have this character I was going to bring in the NPC. She was my first character back in the D&D. If you're willing to take her over, that'd be great. And um, 
say yes, yes and now she's, she's playing, playing that character. It's kind of it's kind of weird being on the other side of the screen, somebody playing your character. Yeah, 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 a lot of questions. A lot of questions for you. Oh gosh. Uh, I, I did, did have my first player to uh, death uh, for Asami uh, RPG. Um, I was in the Rise of Drought. He played every month, or every they play every Friday, and he's still West Coast. And I was playing Craven and Angel, and um, or Asmar Monk. And uh, since I moved back to East Coast, it was really hard to it's really hard to play in his games because he starts seven o'clock his time, but it's already like eleven o'clock my time. Right, right, right. That, that West Coast drag never, never seems to work. work. Yeah. 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 So he, he was, was not like, like it was basically, basically I was going to end up having to quit or step away for a while. And that night, because I had to work the next day, I have to get up at 3 a.m. to go to for Navy for my current place. And, um, so we wouldn't get done to like almost like 2 o'clock at night, my time. And it just, it just so happened my character died at night, and it kind of fits itself. So that was my first player to character death, and and I always envisioned Craven coming into War of the Goblet. Now he came in as an angel because he's already dead, and he's tied into the War of my homebrew story on Monday nights now. So, so how'd you yeah. jump from uh, home games and squeezing everything in with your time in the Navy and whatnot to streaming the games online? How'd that happen? Yeah, and starting a Discord for all these people. Yeah, so. Um, I originally started out, I went by my original Twitch name, YouTube name was Sitfang Gaming, because I played this game called Rainbow Six Siege from day one since it first came out. Um, Is that a video game? I'm not familiar. Yeah, it's a first-person shooter. Yep, okay. First-person shooter. Um, I wasn't seeing as much growth. It's a very saturated game on Twitch. It's hard to be discovered. I was making videos, like, putting all my time to videos on uh, YouTube and everything. We won't see much traction. And then the game, like the people in the community, I started pick, I picked it back up because it came out with Undertaker and Becky Lynch, huge wrestling fan. The skins for one of the characters. So I could start playing it all night, but the community was so toxic in there. It's like, if you didn't get a win a 1v1, they basically curse you out and all that stuff. They were saying ungodly names when I was streaming. So I basically just Gave up streaming. I pretty much gave up the game altogether. Then, uh, if you all can see right now, these I started getting into when I got back into D and I started getting into painting miniatures. Okay, I can yeah. see them. Those are awesome. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, these were my very first miniatures. I really started painting. I started streaming them, or actually, I didn't start streaming. Them. I started recording them for YouTube. There's some of them are still up on my YouTube. Where you can go and watch me paint, paint them. Then, uh, then I got the notion, uh, there's a, there's a YouTuber called Merchant, uh, he, I don't know if you know him, he's very popular or whatever, and he was, he had Runaway Robot, another professional DM, come in and run his Descent in the Furnace, and I was watching his, and his overlays and everything I really loved, and that's when I got the idea to start streaming D&D. Oh, yeah, like, I, can, I see this, I can do this. I see this overlay, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Well, I, well, I did my research first. I was like, all right, I don't want to jump into the same situation I was with Rainbow at Siege, where it's an oversaturated game. I want to see how many people are actually watching streams and everything. And then that's what, when I discovered him. That's also when I discovered Critical Role. And of course, I watched all the campaigns, too. I'm watching currently campaign three. I was watching uh, last Thursdays before we jumped into this call uh, for the podcast. 
And um, I was looking at how they do stuff. I was like, I really love that and all that. And now I started getting on Twitch and watching other D&D streams. And I saw stream after stream after stream with these virtual tabletops, right? Everybody has these different, everybody's doing the same thing, same thing. And there's not me like Critical Role or anybody doing astrophysical uh, miniatures and stuff. And I'm already painting miniatures. I'm collecting them for the D&D game I'm playing in. Right. And because uh, I'm getting them for the DM that's running that, so you can use them in their fights and stuff. It's like, well, I already have these. I can run a Descendant Avernus game. I already kind of know the story because I've been playing in it. And I have miniatures for it, so maybe I can stream this. This is possible. So uh, I'm also also play Ultimate Werewolf. I don't know if y'all know anything about it. It's a um, social deduction game. I stream those. There's videos of those on my YouTube also of that. And that's a, that's uh, Andreas and Jenny. Jenny is also a dance school. She streams some indie games and stuff. I asked them if they want to come in and play. And that's my buddy that's in the Air Force I've known for years. And that's where it started at. started out there. Um, we I started out like wanting to make it more serious. Actually, by that time I had left Twitch because... The whole thing, Twitch was dying, and everybody's moving into YouTube. YouTube growing and all that. And again, I went start streaming on YouTube. They don't have everything set up for actual live streaming, as Twitch has done really well. And eventually, I just moved back to Twitch, where I can actually earn money to put back in the game. This game I love so much and love putting a show for. The spy miniatures and buying all the stuff I need is very expensive. <laughs> yeah. But at least on Twitch, I can earn some money and stuff. So um, yeah, no, yeah. So you got a, a ton of content out there, and I, like I said, I, you, you're. Uh, I got to slow you down because you're throwing out answers in your explanation. <laughs> things I wanted to ask you um, about how you got your players and different stuff. So, yeah. uh, but no, that's that's from there to here. That's what that's uh, that's what we kind of look for. So uh, I appreciate laying out the nerd credit. And now it's a time for one of my favorite segments. It's the shit that I forgot. Uh, <laughs> so we like to we like to go through uh, and just cover the shit we forgot from the last time. Um, Doc, before I get into my rant, do you have anything that uh, you wanted to throw in there from our last conversation? Oh, no, no. I, I really didn't forget anything uh, last time around. Uh, I was... I, I was I was really uh, under shock being with the guys uh, last week. They were they were hilarious. That's all yeah. I can say. All right. Well, the thing that I forgot, because I have the brain of a goldfish smoking crack... Um, there were some things about our conversation regarding the OGL and Wizards and, and different things that I, I didn't get into. We were um, trying to be sensitive to Mike and Jeremy's schedule uh, because they're busy, so to hell with those two. But um, anyways, um, one of the things that I didn't get to put in there was my, my kind of my final thoughts about, um, you know, why Wizards killed off, you know, is killing and has been killing off Magic and uh, my thoughts about uh, why I have hope. So really quick. Um, I do think the OGL is just a continuation of their money grab, a short-sighted desire to maximize profits. And, you know, frustrates me that they made choices in Magic uh, with rarity and whatnot and how they've done, th- what they've done that have turned it from being about designing and providing stuff for a good and healthy game to pumping out stuff they can make money on. Now, they're a business, they got to make money, I get that. <clears throat> but the game made good money before, and it was designed to be. It was designed the game. Jesus, I'm struggling today. Who they were building the game to be a good game, not to be a cash cow. That philosophy changed when they got bought by Hasbro, 
And that's what started the the decline of Magic, in my opinion. Now, RPGs look like they're going the same route with the OGL thing, which is a shameless cash grab uh, and IP theft uh, attempt. They try to sneak that shit in on us. So when I was playing Magic and this stuff started happening, there were bunches of us that were trying to, you know, get our voices heard, band together, and and fight against the shit that Wizards was doing. Wizards was doing, and unfortunately, that just died a horrible death because they were still making money. And there wasn't any anything we could do because there wasn't another alternative. There, you couldn't go right. play the other Magic game. Like, there's nothing that compares. There are a ton of copycat games. They're fun, but nothing holds a candle to MTG. Um, when it comes to the RPGs, though, this is why I have hope for the whole scenario, is that there are other options, other systems, other companies, and people that are willing to stand up and fight. So in the last couple of days... Uh, oh yeah, this thing's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, and then, you yeah. know, and, and the the big people are all standing up: Cobalt Press and Paizo, uh, and telling Wizards that they can basically suck it. And it gives me hope because I think we can win that. That's the kind of thing that we can come out ahead. The 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 community, the creators, the third parties, and these other companies, all on the same page, have enough power to actually make an impact into what's going on. If we accomplish nothing else. Than you know, than just proving in a court that wizards can't steal your shit for free, um, and whatnot. That'll be win enough and of itself. Uh, and they seem to be doing a pretty good job of sinking their stock price and wrecking their fucking own product. So uh, I think it's a problem that'll take care of itself in the long run. But it, it makes me feel good. One thing I can't complain about that all most people uh, have stepped up, uh, big, small, and in between to stand up to the bullshit. And uh, that's wonderful. So I forgot to get into that last week. Plus, there's some... Oh, wait, wait, I just want to say one thing. I want to say one thing about all of this. I think since the beginning, since the inception, I think they've, they've never known, known what they've had, had from first edition to second edition to third edition to fourth edition to half edition. And, and it's a new thing. And, and once again, now that it's grown so technologically big, again, again it's a new thing. thing. And we just... It's... it's, it's it's going to explode again. That's what's going to happen, as it does every time. Yeah, which is yeah. That's, yeah. that's one of the things. Like that's the the benefits of the RPG community versus like when it happened with Magic the last couple of times, is that you have people that are going to fill that void, yep. and they're going it, to it's going to drive people into it. And like I said, with Magic, it's not the kind of thing that would really work. You can't get another clone of it, basically. Um, so that that was what gave them the monopoly on it, but yeah, I don't, I don't want, want to turn that into the show. show but no, no, not at all, not at all. But yeah, no, that's the th- that's the shit that I forgot to, for last week was just to kind of get into um, why you know why we couldn't save magic uh, and what they did to the community back in the day, and then why I do think there's hope for RPGs. So, uh, with that being said, uh, let us move into uh, our week in gaming things that we've got going on. Uh, I had my home game, Doc. You, you had a couple play tests and things I, I, going I on this games. week. I had two games. Wonderful. Yeah, I had, um, well, hang on. Since we, so, since we have a guest, uh, let's be fair to him. So, uh, I obviously you stream a bunch of different things. I see that you have different games on different weeks. So, I was watching the DM Confessional video uh, about one of your campaigns, and I was wondering, like we normally do, we usually talk about our week in gaming. So, do you have anything... Uh, Big, that's not a spoiler for your channel that came up for you this last week when you were playing your games? Uh, yes, uh, actually it was. And I was not expecting it to happen like this soon. Um, 
Well, they, they still, still actually trying to figure it out. out. So, so Little Bones 309, she's a famous indie streamer. streamer. I asked her if she wanted to be my Order of Development campaign. She said yes. And she's playing an ASMR, which is very... So my my homebrew campaign is... I really... Like, like, I love Brendan Mulligan, the, the, one of the famous D&D, when, when he did Calamity, of uh, uh, Flying City. City. When, when that, when when that, that aired, I was already developing my own custom campaign, and, and I, I, I created uh, a lit, uh, Aventus, which is a Flying City. City. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Now I got to tweak it so I don't feel like I'm copying him. I was already doing this first Brendan Mulligan, if you ever hear this. But, yeah, anyway, so basically... The backstory is that um, yeah, uh, there's an angel in Nala. She died to save the city, and her basically what will eventually come out. Probably, I think I've already said it in the opening, but uh, uh, with her death is what caused the city to leave Faerun. Because when I stepped in the homebrew, see, I'm going down a rabbit hole. So when I step in the homebrew, no, no, you're getting there. Yeah, uh, I did want to like. I want to dip my toes in homebrew, so I didn't want to create a whole world. So I, was, I decided to start small, start with like a city, and I didn't want to create a whole new world. So I was like, maybe this city's flying and left the world of Faerun like three, five hundred years ago because they got played by all these stuff. So, well, uh, Little Bones, she created an Asimar, which uh, I kind of talked with her. Is like, how would you feel if your Asimar was tied to a Nala in some way? And uh, when they finally made it to Aventus this past Monday. Um, I I described that her Asimar, like her uh, radiant soul form, takes over as she's flying over the temple of Anala. And then when they landed into Aventus, I told her like you feel like this draw to a certain area of the city, and she kept getting closer. As she kept getting closer, her hair turned to blue again, turned to blue because her character. This is actually her mini miniature right here. Uh, this is her miniature. And then uh, I got her radiant soul. I got a paint. So um, yeah, I remember uh, listening to the start. I think I was listening to this episode where she's like, "My my hair is blue, but it's totally fine now. We're all good now. We should just never talk about this again. Everything's good now." And then towards the end of the episode, as she kept going closer and closer, and then uh, as she started getting closer, her body was glowing, and then everybody started kneeling to her, and I teased a prophecy that nobody knew about. And uh, as soon as she stepped on the uh, steps of the the temple of Anala, where her that's ultimately they're gonna find out that's where her final resting place is. That's where her body lies. As soon as she stepped on the steps, she had actual wings pop out of her back. And that's pretty much where I cut the episode on the cliffhanger because I don't want to get too close or get right. closer to the end of an episode. But that yeah. that's what happened this past week, and we're gonna continue that tomorrow night. Very oh, it's nice. great. It's great. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, there's nothing more fun than when you have the the little bit of lore payoff that you've built in, and you're waiting for it, and you know it's coming, and then they walk right into it, and they're like, "Oh, that's and what's going on." To not talk about it is the kill, yes, you know? yeah, that's yeah. So no, I have, I have, uh, I have similar things. I'll let I'll let Doc finish the section, so I'll go next. Uh, I have a similar thing. So my homebrew, um, we're currently playing in Tales of the Northern Province. It's homebrew world and in, in game. And I have stuff like that. One of the, you know, um, one of the characters has had a couple of experiences. Uh, he is uh, a, you know, uh, a warforged, uh, which I, you know, hadn't had in my setting before. And I'm like, well, you know, pitch me some ideas for characters when we started the campaign and I let him make one. 
Um, so he's got a bit of that hidden backstory stuff that we keep uncovering. So in the last few sessions, uh, amongst the many things that have happened, were uh, he found out early on that um, attempts to uh, he's covered in uh, runes and then you know hidden by an illusion. So um, people have been trying to figure that out for a while, but um, somebody realized along the way that some of the rune work on him was necromancy, uh, and that he might be the uh, he might be an undead spirit trapped in this metal form. And when he found that out, the first time he shut down. Uh, and then more recently, uh, they were nearly killed in a flooded cavern. And it's um, getting more suspicious. That would be yeah, more suspicious. Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah, they're so like they're uh, they're trying they're trying to revive him because everybody else is like he's like he's one of the people that's un, that's out of you know unconscious. So um, they uh, they they start you know they started uh, messing around with him. Like, well, he's like, he's not dead yet, so we can hear. It's like, it's like you're already dead. You can't die. Like saying shit like that to him. So it triggered, uh, it triggered the second level of his defense mode. So he wakes up. Um, he wakes up and then goes into like killbot mode and blasts one of the other players as they're trying to get out of the water. Almost kills him. So we're we're back in the city and they're they're slowly uncovering a plot while trying to figure out what he's got going on. And they have a, pat- a potential patron. They have people in this tower that are trying to help him out. But everybody's really interested in him. And every time something gets unlocked, they're like, "Like, wait a second. Well, like, well, but if this person knows that, then that person might know this. And that means that, that they're doing this on purpose. Like, And I just sit back and I just listen to the conspiracy theories <laughs> for like half, for like for like 30 minutes. And I love that shit. So my, and that's that's what's going on in my game is they're, uh, they're tracking down people that are paying they're paying people to report on when they find bodies and then they're stealing them uh, for some nefarious purpose. And they're not sure if their potential patron either knows about it, is in on it, is is really sending them to stop it, or something else. And that uh, that's where we kind of left off. They found their way into the uh, into the sewers through one of these hidden body shoots where they've been dumping people. And now they're trying to figure out exactly what's going on. So, but yeah, that's that's the best shit when you run into that. Like you can leave on a cliffhanger, you get that hidden lore stuff. So. That's where I'm at in my game. I don't want to give anything else away because I have a few players that listen to this. Uh, Doc? All right, so we had, the, uh, we had the Chronic Explorers met right after our last broadcast. Um, they went into the uh, Cave of the Blind God in pursuit of the Red Wizard. Um, they still have not found the Red Wizard yet. Um, and they had signed, they kind of snuck in with these Invisiberries um, and gotten past the Troglodytes. Invisiberries? Um, Invisiberries, and then uh, really what ended up happening was um, I had already told that story where they had met the troglodytes and had like kind of killed some of them, and they kind of met the rest of the troglodytes uh, in combat, and the and the troglodytes also brought out a uh, cave troll they had as a guard, and it was sort of an all-out battle night for them. Um, but the funny thing was we had a, we had a member late. So I got to do some more testing uh, with my Chronic Explorers. So I want to thank them. They helped uh, do a little more testing of the Misty Tower, nice. which that leads me to my other game this week, which was another test or finale of uh, Misty Tower again. And I just really, really, I have a soft spot for that adventure. Uh, the best part about it is keys and magical doorways. Uh, I've been thinking about this. You know, like every module has a certain thing that like after you do it, you, you, you have like an impression uh, how the players are going to respond or react to it. Mm-hmm. Well, 
with the keys and the doorways. God, you were talking about, you know, like they made their own thing, you know, their own suspense or their own thing. They start, God, they will talk forever about which key to use, which what door. And it's like, how long do you wait to tell them? Just use a key already. Come on, man. I mean, uh, as I put as I put in the notes for uh, my modules more and more, uh, as soon as they stop having fun doing it, and it starts to feel like it's dragging, like the, when when it, when fun goes to frustrating, that's when you step in. But if they're having a good time with it, I'm gonna do shit. They are. They are having they're having a great time with it. But it's funny because most of the time is them talking about which key, when, where, and it's great hearing them do their logic debates over which key to use, which door, and what came at that mat. And it's all you know. It's great. I love it. I love it. It's the same thing you're talking about. Just. Is a different different way, just different uh, effect, I guess. Exactly. Well, with all this talk of keys, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a moment to snatch one of them to open up the door for our visit to the doctor's office. Doc, what do you got for us this week? Well, this one actually um, is for Jugen. Okay. And uh, what I went into deep was uh, goblets, and wanted to look deep into the magic of goblets and where goblets be listed for you know in the real esoteric world of magic so now, goblets like the holy grail goblets or goblets i was going to say that that of course is the first the first thing that comes up is that important. so i i i i can't wait till we get to have video and when we figure out how to run shit well enough to be allowed to have cameras on because uh, hold that back up again Jugen. we can see Jugen. you guys can i apologize hey, Jugen, say what it that's is that's a badass fucking mug you ha- or uh, goblet you have there sir well done yeah. well done well and this then- is what i originally started out stream with and one of my creator or one of my staff members in my discord sent me this as a i i actually have the same the smaller goblet you have there i have that one it was my uh, best man's gift for my friend's wedding so very nice Yes, I have one similar to that my original crew gave me back in the 90s. One of the only things I kept, uh, a nice goblet with a dragon. Well, let's uh, let's stop boring people with things we're looking at that they can't see, Doc. You get in the goblets. uh, Entertain Jugan. I'll be right back in 30 seconds. But you start. start, I'll catch up. All right. So, again, uh, Merle was bringing up the Holy Grail. And that, of course, Jugan, you can chime in whenever you feel like you know you want to talk about something I'm, I'm discussing here. But of course, the Holy Grail is one of the most famous um, goblets there is in esoteric magic. But the one thing uh, I did find, which I thought was really interesting about the goblet, is um, the cup and balls magic trick, um, which was originally used with a goblet is one of the oldest known magic tricks to man, uh, known to man, and it started in 3 BC, uh, which is really intense to think about that. Um, and that trick is still being performed today, and it's actually being performed by Penn and Teller, and they've actually changed it now because you can imagine uh, it was three cups, and you know there's a ball under the cup, and you move around uh the cups and you try to you know decide where the ball is well penn and teller have expanded it into more cups i was just reading about this i don't know it exactly um but they have three opaque cups and three transparent cups so you can actually see the balls 
in some of the motions during the moving of the cups, but then they still end up under the opaque cups and the trick is just as complicated because now you're giving people visual cues uh, where the balls are moving, but they still don't know it. So it's kind of really neat that a, a trick from B, from 3 BC that was using goblets um, has gone all the way to today with Penn and Teller doing a magic trick uh, is kind of intriguing to me. Uh, the other thing that goblets really, uh, looking into magic goblets in history or in literature, and I have to give it up to both of you guys, magic, the gathering, the cards. Um, they go on and on about the different goblets uh, that were designed, and those designs all go back to original biblical texts of descriptions of goblets um, that are used in different uh, empires in history. It's really, it was really intriguing uh, how I ended up back at magic, because uh, <laughs> I went to see about goblets and ended up back at magic. And Jugan, you said that to me first. You said, oh, I was a magic fan first. And I was like, oh my God, well, of course, that's why it's called goblets. And it's like, ta-da. So that was uh, my research. Um, uh, just the other thing, talking about the Holy Grail, mm -hmm. uh, they do say um, that there is there, and there has been proof that there is a Holy Grail. You guys, either of you know about this? That it does exist. Well, no? I know that. <clears throat> Go ahead. Sorry. Let me get back to the microphone, and really quick, I had goblet envy, so I went and got a, a giant stein, so I didn't feel as small. <laughs> so nobody can see this but you guys, but I have a ridiculous giant thing. But anyways, <laughs> uh, enough hamming no, around. No, yeah, no. The uh, so the holy grail. So uh, you have a couple theories. So obviously, there's there's the 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 Da Vinci Code one, where the whole the the holy grail is just a euphemism for the bloodline of Christ. But as far as actual cups are concerned. I believe uh, the Holy Grail is thought to have been put into the Ark of the Covenant originally, and then the te the Knights Templar in the Middle Ages are said to supposedly have had it or found it. Um, one of the more popular theories is they hid it in a in a church in Ireland, I believe. Keep going. I'm gonna let you yeah. tell your tale. Yep. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I think they they uh, they think it's somewhere under one of these you know cathedrals or chapels, and I want to say it's Ireland, maybe Scotland. Uh, and that the reason the Knights Templar, the Knights Templar order was, uh, was you know was burnt out in the Middle Ages was that other people were jealous that they had the Grail and wanted to take it from them. So you know there was there's a I can't remember the whole story, but there's a night where the Knights Templar, there's a night there's a night where the all of the raids happened in the Knights Templar, uh, where most of them were slaughtered or went into hiding, and whatnot. They were like excommunicated from the church, I believe. Um, yes, and the theory, yes. the theory is that that was that was a cover. Well, they used that as a cover to claim that they were destroyed, uh, and then a lot of the knights went into hiding as normal people, and they took the grail with them and passed it all over the place, uh, and it and it made its way to this church. And then another one, which is interesting, is that it's actually in I think Nigeria. There's a, a crazy church that's been there for two thousand years uh, that I think some have traced the Holy Grail to ending up there. After it went missing from the Middle East, but what do you got for me? Yeah, actually, uh, you're right. Those both of those are legit stories. That there's so many stories that have come out about this. Um, 
but I guess there's one right now where it is in Spain. Um, hang on a second. I'm not familiar with the Spanish one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make sure I pull up the right thing here. Well, real quick while he's researching it, I'd like to say uh, thank you for giving me some kind of credit. Maybe I was going off that, but definitely was not. <laughs> I was my, the name, which is interesting, the name Goblets and Warlots. Um, as I mentioned before, I, when I first decided to start streaming D&D, uh, Merchant, he's, like I said, a very popular uh, YouTuber that reviews games, and he started a D&D group, and he called that little official brand, like, I think it was Gil Gates or Goblins and Gil Gates, like kind of rolled off the tongue. And I was like thinking about like old, old timey, like medieval type cups and then goblets came. And I was like, all right, I need something that goes along with it. And um, Warlots came about. Everybody thinks Warlots from the subclass, obviously. But actually, the hidden lore for Warlots was because I use WizKids Warlock tiles for my setups because I don't have the oh. money for, for uh, you know, like uh, Dungeon Forge and stuff. And I was like sitting there like, all right, what would go good with uh, goblets? And I looked over just looking around my space and I had the boxes of Warlock tiles. I was like, goblets and Warlocks, goblets and Warlocks. I said it a couple of times, it's like, it kind of rolls right off the tongue. I like it. So <laughs> that's where the origin of my from. thing came from. So. Nice. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it, it, it still goes deeper. They Supposedly it's in Spain, and there is, uh, even the History Channel has it documented that um, that it is in Spain right now um, in a church. Um, but again... So which one and why, though? Uh, again, it, uh, they're saying um, Ortega del Rio in the Basilica of San Indorio in the Spanish city of Leon. Um, and it was a three-year investigation, and they go into documentations from Egyptian parchments um, that date specifically to 200 BC, and then more documents that date to 100 AD in Irish times, which goes with your Irish mm -hmm. church, hiding in the Irish church. Um, and supposedly it, it like weaves through a lot of the old stories and that this is supposedly the grail but what's strange about it is that it's also constructed weird it looks like two grails just sort of fused together like you know how oh, like, the church it, looks like that no the um the grail it looks like two tops oh okay together um hmm. which is kind of kind of interesting um and then there's also all adornments that have been added to it as it's been carried through history, so that's another reason why they've been dating these different things that have been added to it um, along the way. So that's kind of really, really cool. But you were talking about the Templars, yep. and this this is the one thing that really uh, kind of all of a sudden this big, big crisscross for me and going into real magic and uh, Baphomet. Okay. The name Baphomet. Where would the, you the devil? Right, right. He holds up this big devil, this big yeah. devil image to me, right? He's holding up his devil figure. Yeah, uh, Baphomet yeah. is the uh, is the the horned goat guy that's on the uh, Church of Satan's logo, right? All right, but yeah. but but here's here's the thing. Um, it actually, oh shoot, I, I stretched my screen out. Hang on, it says here. Um, Thus, we see the term baptism. 
and it's a reference well known in a ritual of body submersion in water more obscurely uh, or a sacred cup of libation baphomet therefore served as the head allegedly veteran of the templars and they're saying that the word itself is baptism behemoth right is bathing in wisdom it's a baptism of wisdom and it's kind of weird that the baptism of wisdom from the knights templar got turned into the name of this big ugly thing with a goat's head right i mean it's kind of intriguing to me that's and that's, well, that's one of the th magical well, QA, uh, huh? tonight well that's one of the that's one of the uh the things that we see repeated in history over and over again uh even in modern times is the uh is either the subversion of or the elevation of uh one group's symbols and important things to another right, so right. like you know the uh the, uh, the uh, turning um saturnalia and the various pagan festivals around around uh you know christmas time into christmas and making it a christian holiday um, you know, when the, the Roman Empire switched religions, um, you know, I guess it could going, work in, go, go ahead. Sorry. I don't know. I guess it could work in reverse where, uh, people who are trying to, uh, to demonize and, um, make the Templar order the enemy would, uh, morph their words and symbols into what's, re is what's re commonly, uh, connected to like the devil now making them look like they were bad. Right, and as I say, this is a great, great campaign connection too. Um, you know, when you think about stuff like that, and then all of a sudden, like there's a double meaning inside something in your world that they, they never really expected at all. Yeah. The other thing is the cup itself, the Holy Grail. You know, catching the blood of Christ. It was said to have these healing properties. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about, especially in a fantasy world. You could have goblets catch blood of almost anything and have almost any kind of magical power. Um, and I realized there were hardly any magical goblets or in D&D in, in law either. So it's sort of, Jugan, you sparked this whole thing in me. I was like, I can make a collection of, of, of goblets, <laughs> magical goblets. It's crazy. Yeah. The person who does my overlays, when she gave me overlays, because I told her, I was like, for Order to Goblet, I want like a really tavern feel, because I have this, how it got, the Order to Goblet, I told them, it's like, there's three rules Order to Goblet, I kind of stole from Fight Club, you do not talk about Order to Goblet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when she sent me the overlays, there was no goblets, and the scene is like, hey, I want some goblets on these tables and on this bar. <laughs> it's a must. She had, should have had her hide them in there. Well, since we're already <laughs> talking about uh, your overlays and your channel, I want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who's listening to us on the internet yeah. or checking us out on your favorite podcast app. Please like, share, and subscribe. Let your friends know about us. Send us around. Come visit us. Join us at our website, our Discord, or on our Patreon. You can support the show, support our projects, support the fact that we're poor, and give us money. That's what we appreciate. Uh, I saw one. I, I I don't know anything about it. The uh, buy me a, this uh, buy me a coffee page that one another person has, where I think I think it just takes like two dollar donations. I got to find out more. But if I can get people on the internet to buy me coffee, that's like twenty bucks a week. I don't have to spend. So uh, I'm super into that. I'll have to figure that shit out there and get some stuff up out there. But I've I seen lots to, of I need to jump coffee. in on you that too. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, so, uh, but, well, but actually, you know, uh, before I get into the main topic, which is the first half of our, 
Oh, God, I'm doing so good Take tonight. A breath, Before Marvel. I Take get breath. into the first half topic of the evening, I did have one other question. Since you are in the Navy, Jugan, uh, tra- I assume you travel around, obviously, right? So yeah. have you run into any weird D&D fantasy-feeling kind of um, people, places, rituals? I know it's always, you know, it's always fascinating, fascinating when you travel, and then you run into, like, you know, a weird structure or... Um, you know, something, people like something you, you know, never would have seen if you hadn't been there. Yeah. Yeah. So anything, anything like inspirational, dandy wise, that you've yeah, seen in your travels. Um. Well, first off, there's there's a lot of weird people in the navy, especially in like those like I like to call like they're very but smart but don't have any common sense. Weird mm-hmm. people that can have no business having any kind of power. But there's those people. But I've been to um, little, I guess, uh, y'all seen Ghost Hunters, right? The popular TV show. Yep. Where they, yeah, I'm familiar with that show. I, yeah, there's a place where I, I live that they go to. Yeah, when I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan, I was a member of a called uh, Okinawa Paranormal. We did the exact same thing that they did. We went to go hunt, pretty much hunt ghosts of people oh, wow. that help families and stuff. And um, I've had some weird experiences with that, which uh, leads me because what's is funny because my I'm currently where my current in command. I won't reveal that, but whatever. Uh, where I'm currently stationed at in the Navy is where I started out my career. And um, if anybody knows anything about aircraft carriers or whatever, uh, on the very back of the ship is called the Fantail. Now, standing watch one night, and I had this shadow come out from one of the spaces but well, i was leading up we're going through the straits if anybody's in the navy know what i'm talking about when you go through the straits it's two body land bodies of land that you're going through the straits and you have to post out sentries to you know stand watch and make sure nothing gets close so i went out to my man overboard watch and there was a sentry out back uh, and i knew this person um because i kind of worked tad with them when we we're in port so he was out there when i first went back out there so i'm standing watch and at some point through my hour watch, we they secured those that watch. So I saw somebody come out from one of space. It's like pitch black in the middle of the night. It's basically all I see is a shadow. They walk up right next to me. I can see facial features and everything. Turn down and look right at me. I can't remember the guy's name now. It's been like 15 years. Uh, I looked up at him and said, his name. hey, what's up, buddy? And uh, didn't say anything. I turned back. Still didn't say anything. And I do one of these hands with my movement. His body vanishes, scares the living, living crap out of me. And they got me, that what got me interested in uh, in uh, paranormal. And that's when I started to go do it and try to help families out in Okinawa, Japan, when they're stuff. And I got actually good. I went to go, I forgot what the tunnels were called. Maybe we'll, maybe I'll find that out when we go to break. Uh, but the, where the Japanese went to go underground because right, right. they're World War II. Yeah. War yeah, during World War II, we got we got to go investigate that, which was oh my crazy. Oh my gosh! I stood I stood in this uh, area where they committed like suicide, and there's all these indents into the walls where they just popped a grenade and killed themselves. <sighs> but yeah, we got oh. to go investigate that. So that's some crazy experiences and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, I would say that's yeah. a, that's a that that was a good question, Merwin, and that was a great answer. Oh my gosh. 
that's a, yeah. y'all gotta stop y'all I'll, I'll go on a tangent and keep going no 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 it's good that's 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 why we have the conversation that's why we try to keep them i'm open-ended because our show is you about know. trying to just create new stuff for dms and people in the game out there and you know when we have conversations like this then you just gave we gave dms like a thousand ideas you just gave out so that, that's <laughs> what we're about yeah, especially with like, especially going out and uh, you know looking at seeing some. Like, you know, I've told ghost stories before, but yeah, seeing somebody, like you know, someone's supposed to be there, you see them, they don't respond, and they just whoosh, the the body just vanished. Like, yeah. well, even worse, so we, there's another at the second iteration. It's like when that watch that no, I was just talking about from Man Overwatch. If they're running jet engines in the Phantom, we have to go to a separate location, right? So our alternate location. So to get to this alternate location. Uh, it was like the old smoke pit or whatever where sailors would go out and smoke because they're going into one certain area. Well, there's a heavy door that you have to doll down and you have to force it open, right? And when you go out there, it's pitch black. And we dog it down with like mm. eight dogs. When I say dogs, there's like little latches. Latches, yeah. Like, yeah, I know what those are, yeah. There's, there's like eight on this door. We latch every one of them down. And as we're standing out there, watch. We start hearing weird noises, but nothing like a latch coming undone or anything next thing we know this hard door solid still door opens and shuts all by itself and we dolled every dog down oh my gosh and we were scared to death we were like what the heck so, i feel like i feel like we're in the we're at the we're at this horror we're at the story break already jeez <laughs> yeah no that's a, those are and those those are good ones to share because they're they're very easy to adapt because one of the things that we talk about is using your real world experiences to translate that because you have an emotional attachment to that moment. You you felt how weird that was, so you could ha- you could take that scene, put that in a game, and again you mess with that. You mess with players and things change. They get crazy, anyways. They you know they're going through a dungeon or wherever. They go through a door. They secure it behind them. They come back and the door just opens on its own, kind of closes on its own, and just watch the chaos ensue. Um, but yeah, to describe. Man, man. Yeah, I may or may not have something similar coming up soon. There you go. Yeah, and you can describe the emotions of that. Okay, so on to the main topic. Um, you run all these streams. You do these various campaigns. Um, you know, looking at your you know your views and your setup. Um, I have a whole list of questions, things that I'm curious about. How you got from, you know, deciding to start the stream, which you talked about already, to where you're at now. And I'm sure Doc's got a couple of questions. So I'm going to fire some of these off at you, and uh, you know. I want, I want to pick your brain about this. So, uh, first things first. So, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of the cast members, uh, other YouTubers, people are not YouTubers, but uh, streamers and whatnot that you had known, had contact with. So, did you go out and recruit these people, like specifically for the streams, or were they people you already gamed with? How did you get the cast for Goblins and Warlocks? Uh, how did you get all those people together, and why? Uh, well, for. Um Descendant Burnus, I just asked my friends over at um, uh, on uh, Dice Tower Werewolf, uh, and because I, I play Werewolf with them, and I told him I was interested in starting a stream. I contacted my buddy that I, I was in stationed in Okinawa, Japan with. He's in the Air Force. Uh, if he wanted to play, because he was always interested and he wanted to learn and play, so I got him in. Okay. Um, that cast has changed so much over the time. Uh, that that could be set up for another question. I want to go with all how so, so, servers so change basically, out. So basically, you set up a virtual game because you guys were all over, and then yeah. and now the cast has changed a few times. Well, like 
I like you say I run like several games. Um, my Icewind Dale group, uh, I in my Dragonlance, I in my Discord, um, which I'm sure you're going to ask about too. Yep. Uh, I put out applications and also go to D and D Beyond uh, forum for a stream game and hold applications for my Icewind Dale campaign. So Icewind Dale is my second campaign because I was running. Um, Descendant Vernus is bi-weekly every other week, and I wanted to get more games on to grow more. And it's hard to grow if you only stream like twice a month, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start another Icewind Dale campaign, and I initially asked people I know they don't have time or people in the Descendant Vernus group, and nobody had time. So it's always went, a big time commitment. Always. Yeah. So I went to D&D Beyond, put up a forum page and an application, set up a nice and pretty look, make it look professional. And um, I thought maybe I'd get maybe like 10 applications or whatever and all that. And um, lo and behold, um, I had like over 40 applications. And that was from D&D Beyond on on just a a post there. Yeah. Um, On a forum there. So, so I want to make I, sure. Am I understanding this correctly? Hold on, because you're. If, I, I'm just curious because your experience will that will have been wildly different than mine. So right. you started up groups to stream these campaigns with randoms, just people you didn't know from anybody. <laughs> yeah, if you start asking, I'm sure there's going to be a question about session zero. How I do my session zeros is very unique. I was saying um, that worked out. For, that's worked out for you. <laughs> uh. There's bumps in the road, so like, uh, there's a reason why. uh, So, I won't throw people's names out. No, no, don't, don't, don't do that. I don't want you to to name shame anybody, but I'm not gonna name shame anybody. But I will say this: there's what my games I put for my Icewind Dale. Let's just say a lot of forever DMs applied, and uh, which is probably gonna be my net DM uh, confessions is about that. Uh, But like. Be very wary of how many forever DMs you let in your game because I know for me I struggle with it sometimes when I ever do play a character it's not at seat DM <laughs> yes <laughs> right right I had a lot of the issues I was having when I did that which makes me a little bit more uh, vetting more or go to people I trust more is uh, I had a lot of people interrupting while I'm like conflicting my rulings and stuff like that you know like on stream and oh while you're playing yeah while i'm playing so so uh, i had a lot of oh that's rough yeah so i had a lot of fallout and uh there's a reason why there's only one icewind deal stream now because the outsiders is no longer a thing gotcha yeah no i say we uh i remember this is not exactly the same thing because i'm old too but uh, i remember putting out uh you know hanging up flyers at the local game store because we, mm-hmm. we were struggling to get people to play, and we got some real winners that like reached out to us, and and only one of them made it to a session, and that shit was like the most awkward session I've ever had. Yeah, I, I and then say, uh, though, oh, go ahead, Marvin. No, I'll say it, it put me off of, of randoms for a long time uh, until I went to a convention and I, I ran some convention games. So, and then my home games now are all people that were randoms, but. You know, like you said, that you know you have some bumps bumps in the road, and uh, now they're people that I'm I'm good with. But you know now we vet people a lot more. 
But uh, yeah, I had to, I was disastrous for me when I first started doing it. So, but I, I thought you were going to tell me, yeah, we just got randoms and it was perfect the whole time, and I, I was going to oh, be like, no way. Definitely was not perfect. It was definitely bumps in the roads, and um, yeah. Uh, right now, I think I got a, the my streams are a lot better. Um, when I first originally started out, I wanted to be like the whole critical role, be like more serious and stuff. And it took me a while to like learn that. People don't come to your Twitch streams to watch people play D&D. They want to interact with the group, too. So you got to find a nice medium. And up until recently, because I did a poll in my Discord if I wanted to have alerts on or not. And everybody wanted to have alerts on. So now alerts are on now to interact for stream and stuff. So people want to come in and support you and be a part of you. And if you they come in and say hi to you and you don't respond or anything, bounce right back out you know now that's the other thing being being a rando that got into goblins and warlocks um goblins. i have to say this goblins see see i'm still doing it uh, <laughs> and, and i did all the research on goblins too so so be getting in there i have to say this and and you know learning you're in the military that makes complete sense to me now your rules are straight and like you you get there and you know what's going to happen. There's the three warning. First thing he says is everything's free. We're playing free. Nobody's charging. I got a story for that too. Yeah. Um, oh, tell us, tell us. That's that's the first rule you have there. So what happened? Did somebody come in? What's going on? So I was. Uh, so basically, what what that was is I'm you know I'm streaming uh, and DMing all the time, and I wanted to get in a game, and um. I was on the forums trying to find to be a player in, and one thing I found was uh, there's people posting pay games, and they have um, basically I could I got offered to run games for that server, and they would pay me, but I had to confirm conform to the rules that they want that set in place for me to run games. Okay. And I did not like that aspect of paying for a game and charging people to play in a game that you love very much. So that's why that's there. I wanted to keep it nice and fair. If I hear telling by charging for a game, no. Uh, which kind of leads into the Discord itself. So when I put out the application for Icewind Dill, my Discord blew up like almost overnight. Everybody joining, 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 joining. And while doing the interviews, my vision for the Discord was a, a hub where DMs can link up with players, players link up with DMs and all this. But, you know, the added, like, nobody wants to DM. Everybody wants to be a player. <laughs> um, and then we had uh, we had somebody come in, which the rules have evolved over time, too. And um, one, somebody came in, wanted to run a campaign that was, you know, wanted to have like rape or domestic violence and stuff like you don't touch avant-garde a little too much a little too far yeah too far and i was like no you can't do that and and then they immediately abruptly left they wanted like a realistic campaign it's like no i was like i just explained to them like you the last thing i want to do regardless if anybody does sign up for it or not the last thing i want to do is if somebody's went through a traumatic event like that i don't want them to be re-victimized like regardless if it's role play or not, that's the biggest do's and don'ts. Okay. And then, uh, and then you've also got to. So you've also got to 
wonder, like we've talked about, we've had in some of our uh, our prior shows, we've talked about the the baggage people bring and the you know uh, various yeah. thoughts on uh, some of the uh, some of the modern sensibilities about things, but. You do have to wonder when when someone makes it a uh, a point that hey by the way I'm really keen to have like some rapey shit going on you're cool with that right when somebody like uh, no like why are you leading the conversation with that you know yeah. like if you know like, I don't I don't personally believe in the uh, like the sensitivity flyer card thing that's just not like I, I have thoughts about that but at the same man but at the same time I, I'm like I don't, I'm not gonna. I don't graphically go into that stuff in the game. Like obviously, horrible things happen in war. Terrible things happen when cities get sacked. But you don't, you know, it exists. But it's not the thing that you're gonna like go into in detail. So I, I can't imagine like like you said, he's like you know somebody asking, oh, I want to do this. I got I got a vision. Like ooh, why? Ooh, no. Oh, that's not good. No. So, so they tried to they tried to charge other people. Is that? You know, they tried. Well, to... I, I had people asking about that too, and and like, it's like, I don't know. This general conditions. If you join a Discord, please go read the rules, because clearly this person did not read the rules, and he said, "Right, well, can I that's charge say, people?" I was like, that, "That's what I was going to say." I said, "Your number one rule was everything was free," and I was just about to say, because of your military background, your rules are very straightforward, and like, it's like, three strikes, you're out here. We're here to play D and D. We're here for fun. Don't offend people. Um, and and I and I have to say your chat rooms have been cool. Everybody's been awesome. Uh, it's been really nice hanging out there. So thank you too. Uh, you run a great Discord. Uh, yeah, so one no, of the people no I heads go in there. All right, because yeah. you're cool there. You, you you'll get kicked out real quick. I, right. have, I have a great team. Um, yeah. um, Nate, he's been there pretty much since day one, and he runs a bunch of games in within the server. But uh, one of the persons I started with. Like descendant Vernon started the server with, we actually had to kick him out for breaking the rules. So, okay, um, that's that, tough. That was, that, that was a hard tough. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. I'm just thankful that Discord has grown to what it is. And uh, like I said, as I was leading out, we I eventually changed the vision for it. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I can hear Merwin. I want to hear Merwin checking. I know. Hold on. I know it's a surprise, but occasionally I don't talk. Okay. And listen, like, I know it's I weird when it happens. I apologize if I've made you feel uncomfortable by shutting up for a minute. Sorry, but, sorry. I was worried. It didn't. It, I was making sure your sound was working. Sorry. No, I got you. I also trying to be cognizant of the fact that my chair, like my, because I do the editing on the show, so I can, I have to listen to it. Unfortunately, yeah, my chair squeaks a little bit, and 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 I'm real sensitive about it. So I've been like experimenting with muting myself, especially trying to keep up with, like you said. Um, Trying to stay interactive on the, you know, the in the Discord or on the chats, um, you know. So I try to throw stuff on there on a regular basis, and I realized doing the last edit that you can hear me clicking away. So I'm like, I'm like, okay. So I muted. I put a message up in there. I sent a message to somebody else really quick while you guys were talking, and I unmuted, and I was just listening. So I'm sorry I freaked you out, Doc. Well, again, hats off to your staff because your staff. I mean that that. It, everything's great. It's easy to figure out what's going on, where games are. I mean, I haven't jumped in any games yet myself because I'm busy test playing here and everything. Uh, but I'm definitely thinking about it uh, when I'm done with this Kickstarter yeah. and everything. Uh, and, and it's very clear. Very expectations are set, which I think is important uh, for anybody coming in. So, so hats off to you for for having such a cool. Yeah. One last little uh, 
tidbit about the Discord because we originally changed it from being like a gaming hub to where it's more of a community now. Because okay. uh, what we were trying to do, nobody was launching games, nobody was doing anything, so we changed it up to where, which led in with I was talking about the guy asking about running one of those those games. Right. And, so we change, kind of changed it up. So like, if you want to run a game, you have to contact one of the staff members so we can bet the game beforehand. And then we do an official announcement for people to join and how they can contact the DM. It's no more a free for all. So it's more of control. But it's, we, we turn it very more to a community for Goblets more lots for the fans, for the players, everybody get together. And it's very active. Me being a Navy, I'm not on there as much as possible, but I do have a great staff and I love them very much. Excellent. No, it's important. You gotta you gotta manage that community, and it it does work better than having it be a, a free for all. I can imagine because, like you said, um, you know, and we've talked about this before. Not not every player fits at every table. Not every DM runs a game that every player wants to be in, or that's going to work well. And uh, you should. That's the shit you should definitely try to get worked out ahead of time. I, I we uh, we talked about it in one of our early episodes with um, our friend and fan of the show, a professional DM, RKD, uh, RKDM. Jesus, God, I'm falling apart today. Uh, yep, but RKDM. thank you very much. Jesus, God, cannot function today. But no, he's a professional DM, and, uh, you know, he had talked about having the, you know, a document that says, hey, look, this is the game I'm running. This is the kind of stuff that we're doing. Uh, here's the style of the game. And I had never done that uh, until recently uh, with, my, with the home games I started here in, like, my little town. I figured it just made more sense. Um, instead of you know doing a session zero and getting in there and then finding out it's a problem and then you got the weirdo at your table so not that we haven't not that we haven't got a couple of those I have some DM horror stories let me tell you uh, but no it just makes sense so I want to ask you um, well, I, some... I think I don't think I ever officially answered your question but uh, like people like little bones and like uh, newer yeah. ones I re- reached out directly and then if I couldn't fill any spots to whoever asked for it that's when I made a post Dragonlance huh. I made an application. And I had, I don't know, I cut it off of like 20 applications and then. Wow. Yeah. And, um, Good responses, too. You're getting really big responses. Yeah. Well, hey, everybody wants, well, people want to be a star. People want to get into games. People like the, people aren't it, as afraid of the streaming. Is it because it is streaming? Is it because it's, it, they're streaming on Twitch? Is that why it's more popular, do you think, than just. I, I don't know. I, I, it can't be me because I'm a terrible DM, so. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't. I think I think because it's it's a Dragonlance campaign, it's the, it's the new toy that's coming out, and everybody wants to play in it. You know, I think that's part of it too. It's yeah. part of being Dragonlance, not necessarily the stream yeah. too. Yeah. But you do when the, I do for my games. I do interviews. We do all over Zoom. I'll put out a set time for everybody can fill out. I have one of my staff members help be like the third uh, neutral person within and ask questions and stuff and. We do get some weird ones, and we get some level ones, and you know, and and within that interview, we te- I check their cameras, their mics, make sure everything's set and good, and it'd be good fit. So oh, that, that's a that's a wonderful way to end that question because that was my second one. Uh, well, it's two and a two parter. Uh, so one, yeah, what do you um, what do you do? Because uh, these people are not you're not all in the same room. Obviously, you're not working on the same equipment. They're all over the place, different internet speeds, connections camera setups the whole nine yards nine yards you know do you do you put some quality control into that or you know do you just get you know get a quality you're okay with and it is what it is uh and then second part of that uh who's the asmr guy 
and how do you let anyone else but him talk? Because once he gets going and it's real just smooth and he's like, I'm going to go over to the bar. It's, it just pulls you right in. That might be me. <laughs> no, no, it's one. No, it's it's one of the it's one of the players. I think actually, I think Little Bones made a made that joke about him. She's like, "Who's the ASMR guy? Like, you should just do that. That's what we're getting right now. We're getting ASMR D and D." And the guy's voice oh, is yeah. great. He's so smooth. He's just very smooth. Just really, real, right in there. Like, I want to listen. I want to get closer to the. That to might the, be the Nate. The one that's underneath me. I think so. Yeah, and that's Nate. He he's uh, he's my. Uh, Pretty much my number one guy on my Discord. He runs like all the games and stuff. That's Nate. He plays Ori, a female goblin that's a blood hunter. That's crazy. So, yeah. But yeah. So no. But that was, that was my question. Cause we. So a little backstory. I don't know if Doc fills you in on this. One of the things uh, Dungeon Studios was started with the idea that they were going to stream live games. That was the plan, right? And then the apocalypse hit and it screwed that whole thing up. Uh, and then now we're doing all the crazy stuff that we do now. Um, you know, as Josh has pivoted, the the boss has pivoted around to doing different things. And one of the things that we I've seen in Doc and I have done some research on different streams and everything. The obviously the quality varies, and like you already said, um, you know people want to come into the, you know people want to participate. They want to get a good story. They want to be entertained when they're going to the streams. And I've seen some that like good story and maybe a player's good or a DM's good, but. You know, there's an audio issue. Or I watched one. I won't. I won't name any names. You know who you are. But um, no, I watched. I watched one with the DMs talking, and like the like the it's a, the camera's in a weird spot, and the audio quality's a little strange. It's not terrible. Um, but then I look up at the players, right, and like one's got their head like bent backwards because they're looking at a monitor like on the ceiling, apparently. Another guy <laughs> clear clearly's on his phone while the DM's talking, and you're like, what is like that? You're like, what is going on? Like you're streaming a show. Like, can you at least pretend that you're paying attention to what's going on? <laughs> um, so, uh, so back to my question. As it, jokes aside, um, you know, you, you know, what do you do to try to to try to mitigate some of that stuff where people are disconnected? They're on their own. They're in their own little separate space, and all the world's going on. But you're trying to run a show and entertain people. You know, how do you deal with the the microphone quality and the different? The, the different challenges of that. What's how have you how have you approach that? Because you have a ton of videos, a lot of decent views and everything. So you're obviously doing it, you know. And you're bringing people in. So I'm curious what your secret is. Well, a lot of that I cover within the interviews in session zero. Like I kind of talked about, I let players know up front and, and ask them like, "This is a stream game. This is for entertainment. We're putting on a show. Uh, are you okay with that? If not, you are." You know, I'll go through all this stuff and I'm testing our quality. Most so far, I've not had any really bad stuff. I had uh, one of the players, the one in Icewind Dale, like whoever, like he had one of those crazy condenser mics that pits up like every little thing. And then I guess there was a fight outside his place. And then the, <laughs> and then uh, hard R came up. Oh. <laughs> oh, during stream, I was like, I told him, I was like, hey, can you mute your mic? And then close edit, I muted it or cut it out. I can't remember. And uh, as soon as the stream was done, I downloaded the VOD and then deleted the VOD because I didn't want to get hit up for it. But oh, that's like that's like really the one time other than people actually muting themselves or something like that. That's but, like I, think. I, I would think, too, if you know you're on your stream, you've gone through this interview process with you and my daughter comes in. I'm going to I'm going to like hit my mute for a second you know like what's yeah. going on 
Yeah. Um, so have you ever had? So have you ever had somebody come in that like interviewed great, but they had terrible equipment? And you're like, dude, I, I can't use you. Like, go buy a better mic. Like, you ever run into that problem? Uh, uh, I will. Let's say one player, and they actually went and got a new mic because. Oh, it, nice. It, he had a condenser mic, and he didn't understand the difference between a condenser mic and a dynamic mic, right? So he had a condenser mic, and somebody would come in the room because he has a family and everything, right? And it was picking up a bunch of background noise while we were running a game, and then after like the stream, even me and a couple other players mentioned it to him and explained to him, like. You, so you went and got a better mic in last stream and it didn't happen. So oh, nice. So yeah, was one of thing, yeah that, that was one of the things that. Um, so I had a long. I had, I had my home group like we all have from when I was growing up, and that uh, we all split out to the four winds, moving to different places and whatnot. And we tried. We keep trying to play online games, and this was years ago when they were much much less sophisticated. Sophisticated. Can't talk today. And that was one of the things that killed it. Is that at friends, you know that had a computer from you know i think before the telephone was invented you know running on a hamster wheel and some 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 vacuum tubes you know no headset terrible mic dogs running around kids and it's kids going crazy and it's like like i i don't know how you can hear me with all the cast in the background but i can't hear what you're saying you know it's like it's like i don't know why you thought sitting in your bathroom across the house and whispering at me was the best way to do this but you're killing me so the the tech I, I feel you with the tech hurdles and whatnot so but no like I said it's you know it you're doing it you are putting it out there that's, that's good that's why I preach to my players like I need y'all in at least thirty minutes before we go live I want to make sure everybody's my audio is great your cameras are in the right spot because speaking of if you were to run my highest recommendation especially for my setup you're going to run a setup like mine where you use a second camera for a battle scene with miniatures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Zoom is where is where it's at. If you want to pay for Zoom, I pay for Zoom. Or if you find somebody that pays for Zoom, they can host a meeting for you and you can use it because you can share your screen to a separate camera and they can show the battlefield. It works perfect for what I'm doing and everything. So. Yeah, I was going to say that was another one of the things on my list. Doc, before I get into my next question, Doc, do you have one? I don't want to No, no, go ahead. You've been, you've, been, you've been right down. I wanted to ask about the miniatures because I don't know anything That's about That's the that. exact question I'm going to yeah. ask next. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm I'm uh, I without running out running running around and grabbing them. I'm an avid uh, painter and, and modeler and um, well terrain maker and everything. So I have all that shit for my games. And one of the one um <clears throat> hello everyone. How are we doing? Sorry, God. <laughs> having a lot of trouble tonight. This, no, here's this is this is my curse. As I as I was talking beforehand, I'm like. I'm like, all right, like, yeah, we'll set everything up. It's a new guy. I haven't talked to him before. I, I think everything's going to be good because he streams all the time. It'll probably be great. And then I'm the one that's got the mush mouth tonight because I was like, I don't know, man. I hope the guy's good. See, I cursed myself. So <laughs> at least we're honest. No, so I have all that stuff. And uh, the games that I've streamed, I, I, I have a few video, you know, a few old videos on uh, Twitch On Demand, and we did a charity game that's uh, that was up there for a while. Um, and I can never quite figure out how to do the real the miniatures very well, because like yours is a is, I want is why I want to ask you about your setup. Is yours one set camera position? You never move it, and everything just kind of gets put in that frame. Or do you move the camera around during the session, during the fights? Like how do you how do you manage the physical part of that? Because I I, can, I think I can see is that your board off to your right there in the back of your screen? Is that your table? Oh, board. Your get your uh, tabletop. 
Well, I mean, I could show you, but nobody else could see. But I, yeah. I have, I have two separate cameras, right? So okay. I have the Elgato's uh, um, link uh, card that you go in the back and plug in four cameras in. So I have two Sony A5100s where I can manually adjust the zoom. Um, I, I typically what I do for my setups if I know there's if they're going to be a certain battle and stuff, mostly I have a general idea if they're going to be a mm -hmm. battle or not. And I'm always trying to stay prepared as much as possible. Uh, but I set up beforehand, uh, like right now I got ordered a goblet that near, near Nets uh, encounter, which it might not even get to tomorrow night. But I already have it set up on my desk. All set, right. Whether they yeah, get to I, it or not. You have, you I have, have my camera up. set up to capture, capture everything where I don't have to move it. But yeah. I, there's occasionally where I can move it. It's on a tripod. I can move the tripod and change the location and, and stuff. So it's not a fit setup. I do have a fit area. Um, as you, huh. if you look at older videos, I initially did. I was sitting so far back from the computer because I had a whole setup. I had extension cords and everything running, and um, it just it's not conducive to how I. I can't control like the stream and everything, so I end up moving to this setup and have it set off to the side where I can reach over and move it and stuff, move right. their miniatures. Yeah, see, I was for for mine. I was what I was would like to get to is is having dynamic cameras where I can either move the table to get different views, so you can get the uh, camera eye view uh, for the stream to watch, and then have like a big overview one. And I, I could never, I can't, I haven't been able to work out kind of the technical issues. And I saw you were doing it with the miniatures. Yeah. So I wanted to pick your brain about that a little bit. And I just, that's, I think that's awesome because I, I have enough trouble just DMing uh, with a map on Zoom. And and then being, having the miniatures set up for everybody and everything, that's so much work. Hats off. Hats off to you. Yeah. Very nice. So now, your player, now do your players get just the stream, that just the shot that you have live? Do they have access to other video of the map, like an overhead or anything? Or. How do you, how That's do you what I'm saying that? about Zoom. So in Zoom, you can go, like, there's a drop-down where you can share, like, your monitor and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's there's an other tab where you can share your second camera. So basically what happens is, as we're sitting in Zoom, like how, how we are in Discord, it's kind of a similar setup for Zoom. Once you hit share, we go to a separate box where on your side as a guest, or you can adjust how you I have it adjusted to a certain spot where I can put... I, this is all part of the setup for stream. They get mm -hmm. filled in for the battle cam, but the whole screen is filled up with the second camera and what it's viewing. Okay, nice. so it's, right. easy, it's pretty. It's relatively easy setup. I did experimenting and stuff before I even started streaming. What would work out best? And um, the biggest hurdle was is getting the right cameras for the job initially because initially I had the, the one Sony A fifty, one nice camera and like. Uh, you know, uh, what's uh, USB, you know, cams are not that great. You can't zoom easy on them yeah. or whatever. and then sometimes they like wonky when the wire moves around and yeah. stuff. Or sometimes they don't work with the software you broadcast with, and then you guys can't see me mm -hmm. on the internet. That's true, too. Oh, God. Five different programs to get it to work with your setup and stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, we're deep in that makes that. All right, well, those are the three big things I want to know about your player setup. Um you know, talk about the minis, talk about that process. Doc, you got any anything? I got one more, and then we can get into storytelling. Well, I was I was actually going to ask him one about where he trained, but he said that's where he is now, so I don't think he needs to answer that question. Trained? Uh, 
Yeah, it, it, for your Navy training, where did you go for your Navy? I live in Annapolis, so oh. I was just wondering where you did your training. And if you don't want to talk about that, that's fine. I was just uh, uh, that's fine. Uh, uh, boot camp is in Illinois, obviously. That's their only boot camp. Um, I joined undesignated, so I didn't have a job uh, in the Navy, so I was undesignated, right? Right. Then I went back to school after roughly about a year and went back to uh, MA school, Master at Arms, which is pretty much military police. Right, right. And that school is in Lackland, Texas. So. Okay, okay. Very nice. I think what he's and, trying and to then, avoid is... And then you were in military police uh, yeah. for a while? Cool. I mean, yeah, and, uh, and then along the way, I picked up uh, what we call uh, NECs, is extra um, qualifications. So I'm actually qualified to teach people how to shoot. All right. All right. Excellent. No, I just, I, I, again, I, I hats off to anybody in the service. I have a, a good friend of mine in our OG crew. That's um, a Colonel for the national guard air force. And uh, I, you guys always, um, I'm always impressed by how much work, whether you started and you're a lifer or you've come in, you guys do so much for us and do so much. So thank you again. I think what he's trying to hide is that he's streaming this on the, Military satellites from his nuclear submarine <laughs> under the Arctic. He just wanted to, to figure it out. Well, in fact, the Navy tried to put me on submarines, and I was, I was like, "No, I'm too tall for that." Yeah. If I if I cannot see the sun, and I'm underwater for six, seven months, I'm like, uh, I'll go crazy. That's not your thing. That's not. Oh, uh, here's the thing. when you when you were when you were telling your story about the aircraft carrier, I was I, I was terrified that you were going to like talk about somebody like jumping or falling off of it because they're i think oh, god what are you like like 10 or 15 stories up when you're on the, on the flight deck from the higher water than that. higher, higher, than, that. higher than that oh my gosh the Ooh. most terrifying thing i've done on aircraft carrier which was i was we're uh i was my last transfer change of commands we're out on deployment so i had to launch all the aircraft carrier and uh what we call a cod and it basically it's this small little aircraft that looks like it's holed together with duct tape and stuff so when it takes <laughs> off it you get launched off the aircraft carrier and you're sitting backwards in the seat so when you take off you're leaning forward and you can't help it and the thing fills up with smoke and it looks scary as crap but you know it's just like a little middle. person pod they just like shoot you out and it, it's like, it holds like a person to a hold roughly i think about 10, 15 people, maybe, in a bunch of cargo. Oh, it's, my gosh. It's, it's, it's the same small aircraft. They, fun fact is how they get mail out to the sailors out in the middle of the ocean. That's what brings them, like okay. cargo, the mail. And then people transfer off, and that's how they get off. But okay. Yeah. Hope I'm not spilling too much. Maybe they won't, hopefully no. they don't hear this and come after me or something. No, like no, you're, you're not, I think you're good. I think we all know the military shit's held together with duct tape and a prayer. So. <laughs> We but know how that works. The most curious that it is because I don't like flying, and I oh, see, see, I could, fly, I, I could, I think I could handle flying. Um, not a fan of heights, or at least not a fan of falling. But um, I, I might be able to handle flying, although I I've, haven't been up on a plane since I was a little kid. But the the shit that freaks me out the most, I think, is watching the videos when the ships are in bad water, and you're going up a thirty foot wave and then dropping down into the trough and then back. And I just I can't. I would I would lose my shit. Well, aircraft so fast. is so big, it's stable most of the time, even in rough waters. But we went, I remember my first tour, or like uh, 
we were doing our trainings and stuff when we, we went up north by like alaska somewhere and there was a typhoon on that side of the water and hurricanes on the other side because they spin differently we're we were up there and the typhoon it's like the tail end of it and the waters was so bad i was on the back of the fantail where i was telling my ghost story earlier like the way the ship was dipping the water was above my head it was scary uh, yeah no <laughs> but, i can't handle that but it's like aircraft carrier so it had to be that rough waters for it to be like this i was so. gonna say an aircraft carrier deck going at like some ridiculous angle you know <sighs> oh, on fat uh, uh transformers 2 i was on the ship where they filmed it at the very end of the ship where Charlotte LaBeouf is standing with Megatron at the end of the flight deck. I don't know if you ever watched the movie or not, but yeah. at the very end of the movie, during that scene, I'm driving that ship. Really? No way! That's so yeah. cool! Yeah. That. Um, that's awesome! So, ah. That's, I have to watch it You don't see me. I'm in the bridge. No, no, no but I, guess, yeah, I know who's driving the boat. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of those. That's one of those things that like, you get like. Guess what I know. I like it. Well, hey, I so I was, driving the, I was driving the ship, and Tyrese walked right in front of me. <laughs> I got I got a buddy. His claim his claim to fame is that he he was at his uh, one of my friends. His uh, uh, buddy Big Joe was like a professional extra, mm-hmm. and then he had he do he had the greatest business ever. Um, when he couldn't when he couldn't get extra gigs, he figured out that he could that they they always needed a place for the actresses to change, right? So, uh, you know, there's like the folding curtain things we were talking about mm-hmm. um, a while back, like the, you know, like the, the little privacy dividers. So he went, he bought like some, some cheap wood and some fabric, and he made three panels that were like six foot tall and about four feet wide, screwed them together with hinges so, he would, so it would fold up flat. And then because he had done extra work, he would go to the, the production companies and go, hey, uh, you know, if you guys ever need like on-site like privacy stuff, I, I'm your guy, and they would pay him like five hundred dollars a day to bring this little folded-up curtain he made, and just to, just just to have it. So like like it's like you know we need we need we need she's got to change real quick you know change her top okay and he would just unfold it and then hold it kind of you know somewhere private and she'd run the actress would run behind it and change really quick and he, he and he made more money doing that than he ever did as an extra. And he got to hang out on set all day and just get like just get, go to the craft services and hang out with all the people, and then he just packed up his like three panels of wood and left at the end of the day five hundred dollars richer ate for the whole day hobnob with the famous people. So, but uh, my buddy's claim to fame was that uh, he went to this guy's house when he was living in Jersey, and and stepped over one of the guys that was in Blair Witch Project. That's his big claim to fame. <laughs> so he was sleeping on the he was sleeping on the floor of his buddy's house. Yeah, he was sleeping on his buddy's at his, at his buddy's house on the floor, and he stepped over him to go into the house, and he goes, "That's where that guy was." Like, All right, great. All right, well, hey, that uh, that runs through the the questions and things that I have. Uh, thank you for going through that. So, what we normally do is we go into a little bit of story time, take a short break while we run some ads uh, in the middle of our show, and then we get back and we we go into our second half topic. So, I, I hope it's not too late for you. You good to hang out for the rest of the show? Yeah, uh, awesome. I, mean, I don't I don't work tomorrow, so I'm good. One, they're full. Well, just a little preview, everybody. The second half, what I wanted to talk to you about is uh, one of your recent projects, uh, the DM Confessionals, and I wanted to have a little mini impromptu session of shit we've screwed up 
and how we're going to fix it because I love the idea. But before that, I want to go into a little story. Um, we talk a lot about gaming and things on here and uh, some of my experiences. And I was thinking today what story I could tell. And I, and I remember one of my favorite ones from being young uh, involves the player I was talking about last week, the manipulative, manipulative evil one uh, who, used, who used my hunger for Taco Bell to bribe me to give him a plus two That's ring right. in the game. Um, I was in another campaign, another game with him. Uh, my uh, Our Eddie Munson, my, my friend's older brother, was running it. And it was his girlfriend, me. Somebody got a Harold on. We're good. Keep going. So, anyways... Um, we're playing this game. It's my, it's the DM's girlfriend and 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 this guy and my friend and, and my buddy Mike, um, you know. And we're we're playing and he's up to his usual manipulative evil nonsense, right? You know, try you know he so he charms the DM's girlfriend into being his bodyguard. He's using NPCs to open doors and get blown up for him. You know, typical stuff that you know like you do. And he keeps trying it with me and my buddy to 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 force us to be his little minions. We won't do it, right? So. Finally, after being rejected numerous times, he gets mad, and he goes, "You know what?" He goes, "He goes, you need to start listening to me, or there's going to be consequences because you guys all know that I will kill all of you guys." We're like, "Really? Really? You think you're badass enough?" He goes, "Yeah." I go, "You mean like you by yourself?" Well, no. Obviously, my friend, ha ha ha, you know, Dan's girlfriend, who's my bodyguard, will fight for me. And she's like, "Yeah, the hell with you guys. We're going to kick your ass." We go, "Okay, you want to do this?" We, we, I go right now with PVP right now. Figure it out right now. I'll murder your character. I'll murder her character. I don't even care. He goes, you can't beat me. I have all the power. You know, it's getting getting crazy. We're going back and forth. And the DM goes, you know what? Fuck it. You guys want to fight? You can fight. Start right now. And we're like, well, hold on. Let's get terms here. And we go, we're going to start. We're going to fight right now? Or And we tricked the manipulative which we we tried. We laid a trap for the manipulative evil player. We say, "Hang on, you want to fight right this second? Because you're not really prepared. Wouldn't you feel better? You're a wizard. Wouldn't you feel better having a little bit of time to figure out what you want to do? How about this? You give us like five minutes to plan, and then we'll have the fight. You want to do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we're gonna do. Great. And we each get like we can do like two things before the fight starts. You can cast two spells before the fight starts if you want to. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly all I need to kill you guys. Okay. Well, go take your five minutes. We're going to take our five minutes and our two actions. We'll be right back. So they go off. They run off into one room. We run off into the other. I look at my buddy. I go, okay. I go, you got the items we talked about, right? He goes, yeah, I got the item. I go, okay. Does he know we have these? No, he doesn't know we have this item. Okay. So here's the plan. And I'll tell you guys what that is after our break. So. I know it's a short one. Normally, I talk a lot longer than that. Thank you guys for listening. Everybody's hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Uh, our uh, our animation today, I think, runs about eight minutes, nine minutes. So it is ten fifty three on the East Coast. I'm gonna run this, guys. Uh, grab a drink, hit the bathroom, come on back at eleven o'clock, and when the ads are done running, we'll get back into the second half of the story and our second half topic: DM confessions with our guest Jugen and the Doctor. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you on the other side.
after the fight. The cobalt were vicious, but we won despite of our greedy raw looting all in sight.
everybody. We are back. Doc, you back with me. Jurgen, you back with me? Yes. Yeah. Ah, this time, Doc is chewing. I got caught doing that last week. You told me 1105. It's 1104, man. Come on. Okay, I'm a few <laughs> seconds off. That's what you get. Go ahead, drink your coffee. I have mine because clearly I need it. Welcome back. This is the game brought to you by Dungeon Studios. Uh, we appreciate you listening live on our special session Sunday. Uh, thanks to our guest, Jugan, for being with us, hanging out through the break and being back here for our second half topic. And thank you all who have supported us through our Kickstarter, our various endeavors, and in the future. Like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Let's get back to story time. I realize I didn't do the beginning of this very much justice. Um, but I'm going to try and pick it up in the second half. So like I said, we break into our two little sessions. We're planning to murder each other's characters because tonight's going to be the night. I look at my friend and I say, do you have it? And he goes, yes. He checks his character sheet and he produces a potion of superheroism. Now this is second edition D&D. Superheroism at this time, this potion grants your character five full character levels. So we're playing in a version where characters are very weak at lower levels. I believe we were all right around fifth level. So the wizard's got like a fireball, if he's feeling saucy. Not much else going on. I'm about to become a tenth level fighter with uh, way more hit points than he can deal with. Multiple attacks. And then my friend, I believe, was playing... What would it have been? I think think he was playing a ranger still so a little bit a little bit of range support back in the day and on the other side is the manipulative evil player who thinks he's got it all worked out and the dm's unknowing girlfriend who i believe because the evil player is going to evil he thought that because she was on his side there's no way the dm would let us win the fight so we go back out i'm like you've made your two preparations and he's chuckling to himself he's cast his spells and we're like okay and this is two on two. This is two on two. Yep. Yep. So he's had his two rounds to prepare, and he thinks he's a master strategist. He thinks he's a genius. He thinks he's got it all worked out, both in game mechanically and out of the game, because he's got the DM's girlfriend on his side. We roll initiative. I win, and then I just tear into his wizard's ass in a way he never expected. He's like, "You don't have three attacks. You can't do this." I go. Dude, I took a post of superheroism. I'm I'm tenth level for the rest of this fight. Well, what is that? When did you get that? I didn't know about that. I go, yeah, it's right here on my character sheet. You want to read it? Go ahead, take a second, get used to it. Just, just let it soak in. Enjoy. Round proceeds. This is second edition, so I think his wizard had like 35 hit points. So dead. One round, zero chance. And then it's just the DM's girlfriend sitting there, like barely knows how to play D and D. And he begins to cry foul, and he's screaming, and he gets up, and all the chaos is breaking out, and me and my buddy are just laughing our heads off at this. Laughing our heads off. I'm like, all right, well, we're killing her, too, I guess. She's like, I don't want my character to die. It's his fault. He started it. He charmed me. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? you got to pay the price because you were laughing about it beforehand. And at that point, as we're about to slaughter her, the DM goes, hang on a second, hang on. All right, I don't want to let this happen. We're all friends. So I want to rewind this if everybody's okay with it. And we're like, I don't know, dead wizard. Are you okay with it? You going to cut your shit? Because I still have that potion. I will murder you. You get uppity again. He's like, yeah, no, no. I was just joking around, guys. We're all friends. <laughs> DM resurrects him. We play it off like it never happened. The next week, magically, the manipulative evil player couldn't play anymore. He had to drop out of the campaign. It was weird. It was auspicious timing. He couldn't play anymore after I murdered him. That's strange. I wonder what happened. 
Something was different. Anyways, those are the kind of psychopaths that I play with. Uh, Jugan, if you ever get a chance to check out our old episodes, I have a whole series called Player Alignments. They're quality things. Manipulative evil, psychotic evil, deceitful evil. Pretty much they're all evil because I don't like people. And that's how it goes. That's like 80% of D&D players. We had yeah. lawfully undecided. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. Lawfully undecided. What did we we uh we've actually I, I have it in my notes. We've added it. What, what was we've the other one we bunch. added? We've added a bunch. We've made up a couple along the way now. I yeah, I know. So I know. Yeah, we had yeah ra- random stupid. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, random. Stupid. Um, uh, what? The, oh god, what the hell was the other one he had? Oh, it's in the. I got it. I have it written down somewhere. Any player alignments, Jugan, you could add to our list. Uh, well, let me uh, let me explain. Let me give you the background on this really quick. So I think that in RPGs, playing a character who is really different than how you are and decides things differently than, than getting away from you as a person is really hard to do, and you have to play a while and be comfortable with it, and eventually people get there. Early on, though, I think people's characters are usually end up just defaulting back into some version of them, and thus there's no character alignment. There is only player alignments, and that's how I came up with all these. So, yeah, if you got a suggestion for one, I'm happy to hear it. The other, one, the other one I've been thinking about while he's pausing, the other one I've been thinking about, you should always give someone pause time to think, is the chaotic me. Chaotic uh, me? I'll, I'll start chaotic me. Chaotic stupid. Is that one of uh, I Well, okay, so um, it, it's we, we have things along the line. So there's, cha- so there's random dumb. Um, <laughs> uh, and then we have, I believe we have, I think we do have chaotic stupid. Um what would your example of a chaotic, stupid player be? I have one in one of the streams. Okay. <laughs> all right, well, go ahead and start with this. Tell me all about it. Uh, the Outsiders one is not a um, – is, is one of the canceled because they had all those problem players. But one of yep. the players – I described this stream that – and they had – the players themselves had the map. They had the map knowledge because I sent it to them because we're playing virtually. Mm-hmm. This the the river. They're in the underground tunnel. Was a hot stream that's running underneath. It's a rushing sh- river, and he decides he wants to jump in it. Well, the river flows into an endless bottomless pit where your character would die automatically. Right. He jumps in. And the rest of the party jumps in to try to save them. Try to save them. And uh, we almost lost three players because of it. I gave uh, uh, I gave uh, the one that initially jumped in one last dexterity saving throw to save. Just try, the druid, please. To save, to save the druid that jumped in to try to help because she failed her save, and his. I gave him one last roll to try to catch her staff that she's holding on to to hold her. And thankfully enough, the party was somehow, but like, everybody knew that river was bad and it's a rushing river and he decided he wanted to jump in. <laughs> yep. All right, no, fair. That's, that is a fair example. I think my, I think the birth of my chaotic stupid one, uh, we were playing, it was a game with no alignments. We were playing Shadowrun and the party is at this big climactic battle. They're going to fight the, the the evil toxic shaman with his summoned spirits, and they're all plotting how they're going to get past all the guards and everything to get to the to get to the guy. And while everyone's planning, which is a lot of what Shadowrun is, the one girl 
who was only there because it was one of the player's girlfriends and I felt bad. She's like, hey, um, so they're all talking, right? I'm like, yeah. And there's like a guard over there I can see. I go, yeah. She goes, oh, well, I'm going to shoot him and help everybody out but to get rid of him real quick by myself while they're talking. I'm like, okay. And then she proceeds. You just picture this in your mind in the game. Um, you have a security guy in, like, combat armor. You're in the military, so you know what I'm talking about. You know, flak jacket and the whole thing, helmet, nine yards, night vision goggles, and, you know, some sort of assault rifle. And then here is this, like, dirty street kid who pulls out, like, a 22, like a 38 special. And, like, I just take a shot at him from, like, 50 yards away. <laughs> and she's like, do I kill him? I'm like, no. Like, no, no. See all that stuff he's wearing I described? Yeah, that's body armor. Do you know what your 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 Streetline Special Self-Defender Pistol does? It doesn't go through body armor. That's what it doesn't do. I'll tell you that. And then everyone's like, wait, wait, what just happened? Like, she shot the guard. You shot the guard! And then just chaos ensued from there. So that that was my, that's my chaos, stupid. So... Uh, we're on the same page, sir. Good job. I like it. Um, we will add your story to the lexicon of player alignments. Uh, but now on to our on to our second half topic. So um, well, Dugan, Dugan he, had mentioned something. He wanted to go back oh, sorry. Uh, and talk about uh, his session zero. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Let's go back yeah, you to that asked, first. Yeah, you asked and uh, wanted to, uh, like, I'm doing this shit I forgot this episode. Okay. <laughs> it's not here next uh, episode. All right. So, yeah, I'm getting it all the way down. All right, so, we're we're uh, going to give you a special second half shit I forgot. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so you asked me, like, how do I handle, like, players or, like, that never met or whatever. Mm-hmm. So after I do the interviews to select my players, we have our session zero. I go over, like, what I do differently as a DM and my special homebrew roles I do, I run. Um and all that good stuff. And it gives the players a chance because we're all over Zoom and everybody gets a chance to meet each other and stuff. And of course, like we meet new people, we're all kind of quiet and tense and trying to fill each other out. I discovered the best way for players to get to know one another is it's mandatory. After we go over the rules, everybody does their dice rolls for hit die and stats and all that. And we play chat bots. Okay. We sit there and play chat bots play all games, start laughing together, get used to each other, and that way when we have our first episode, live stream is not as bad. Everyone's all comfortable? That's a good idea. Yeah. Now I don't think Doc heard any of that. We had, no. we had, a, we had a Cthulhu emergency here at my house. Uh, Cthulhu, Cthulhu rises? Yeah, Cthulhu rose, so I had, to, I had an emergency. Sorry about that. No, no, you're good, buddy. No, that's, oh, a, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah. So, uh, Jugan was saying, uh, after session zero, he has a man. He has a mandatory hangout where the people play games together. Oh yeah, uh, to get to know idea. each other. No, yeah, no, it's a very good one. Now I yeah, used to train like life specifically. I used to train lifeguards uh, and recreation staff, and we always used to do stuff like that. Uh, play Risk or play some kind of board game, uh, team building, all kinds of team building stuff like that. Love it. Yeah, that's where uh, that's one uh, same thing. I'm uh, in my in my real world job. One of the things I do is I'm a instructor. Um, you know, I teach security guards, and one of the, and one of the things I did, I came up with those icebreaker questions. It was you know, and the the uh, how many fifth graders could you handle if that was your method of execution, was one of those. The reason the re and I never got to explain the psychology behind it. The reason I do that is you can get a good read on people, right? So first of all, it's a ridiculous question, and you in the 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 questions that people ask about the scenario are always hilarious, you know. You know right, so right. that's fun. That's revealing. 
But you can always tell um, some core personality traits based on how people answer. So if someone says, hey, okay, hang on a second, let me just make sure I understand, and they really think about it. Like, this is typically a person who, no matter how ridiculous, they're going to take the challenge you present them and try to figure it out. They're like, okay, how would I survive, right? They give some serious, they give some serious thought. And then you have people that just go, just go, it's impossible, I just quit. And, like, you know that those are going to, those kind of people are in the quick tap club. Uh, I'll go straight Anakin Skywalker on them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the, but then you get the you get the you get the last group and they're like I wouldn't die like well I, I gave you the the rules like it's an infinite supply of fifth graders eventually you're gonna get tired I would kill them all and you're like okay this is a person who has an overinflated um, ego an overinflated sense of self and doesn't care about your rules they think they're better than them and those are the kind of players that maybe you don't have in your game um, or in the yeah or in the security world though. Uh, these are the kind of people that you got to worry about going about them going you know going going rogue on you and you know they think it's a good idea to you know chop somebody in the neck instead of trying to talk them down or do what they're supposed to do. So that's why that's where I came up with that. So it's good, but I like the I like the game thing much better. It's not quite as invasive as making people give up their personality traits, but I like it. No, it's a good thing. That's one of the things that uh, I'd heard this a while ago, and I think it's a good a good thing is that you can always tell the health of your overall gaming group. By how many people do things outside of the game together, especially if they weren't friends to start, and that's a that's a big that's a big way to know that things are going in the right direction. If people are hanging out, talk you know, talking outside of the game, and, and like I said, finding those common interests and whatnot. Like uh, our producer Very Josh true. keeps our producer Josh keeps trying to get me to smash him at Civilization Six, and I don't want to I don't want to hurt his feelings, so I won't play against him because he knows better. I know better. He'll be sad <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah, like right before we sat down to record this and live stream this, I asked my community uh, who would be interested in doing a Last of Us uh, viewing party because that comes out tonight for Zarya. Oh, nice. That's uh, that's that is one of the games. Well, moving on to the second topic here, our DM <laughs> confessional. Uh, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you one as a nerd. It's one of my deepest regrets as a video game player. I didn't own a PlayStation. When that game came out, I was I had moved over to Xbox. So I had PS1, PS2, and then I got an Xbox, so I didn't get that generation uh, PlayStation. I never got to play The Last of Us. I love zombies. I love horror survival games like that. I love Resident Evil. And I've heard nothing but amazing things about The Last of Us. I never actually got to play through the game because I could never hook it up where either I had a PlayStation to play the game on or could borrow someone's like I had done with other systems in the past so I've never played through the game I, I heard it's amazing a great story I know some things about it never what got to play is, through it what game is this you talking the about The Last of Us The Last of Us now, and my, I, my confession too is, is I never played it either and how I know the story is by watching streamers play yep. it. yeah I've watched a bunch of clips about story. it Yeah, and I'm so I saw the movies coming out and I'm like I'm like alright uh, it's it's 20 years later, I'm not buying a PlayStation anytime soon. I'm just going to have to admit the fact that I'm never going to play the, one of the greatest games of all time. And I'm just going to go watch the movie and enjoy myself and just kind of call it a day. But there's a well, little a part of me show. that doesn't want to... Hmm? It's a TV show. Oh, is it? I thought it was... No, it's yeah, a series. It's a what am I... Yeah, okay, it's right. TV tonight. show. Sorry. Yeah. And so I was we thinking, get I... more than a movie out of it. Oh, even... even well, that's... Uh, as has been evidenced by... The latest round of flops um, and subpar shows. I mean, that's a mixed bag. I hope it's good. 
Oh, yeah. Everybody's saying it's really good. Hey, so a shooter all the reviews game are... is now a TV series? Oh, there's a, there's a bunch of them. They, they made a Halo one. That flopped. Yeah, um, I didn't watch it. it was, I, that's one of the streaming services I don't have. Yeah, it's... There's a... Um, there's a there's a content problem, in my opinion, with a lot of these things, and it's it's a. Uh, have we got have we gone into this into the show? Have I got into this rant on the show at all? Uh, yeah, kind of. Jugan, kind are of. you a, are you a Star I'll Wars fan? Are you a Star Wars fan at all? Yep. All right, uh, Andor, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, I like thumbs up too. Uh, Bad Batch. The TV shows are far better than the movies. How about how about Bad Batch? Well, well, whole, okay. Well, I was going to avoid this argument. Hang on a second. Jugan, it was going so well until you until we got into this. <laughs> All right, really cool. Okay, hold on. Andor, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't got to the series. I, I know it's phenomenal though, and I would like I, Rogue One was one of my favorite movies. Oh, had the it's Star Wars series. by far my favorite. Yeah, like it, it's it might be the second best. Or in well, the top both, three uh, all, and, all and time. Andor, Andor is only elevating it higher. Okay. Um, to be so I got to so I got to watch that. So okay, Helen. So are you saying that the Obi Wan show was good? I like the Obi Wan show. Obi Wan was good. I give Obi Wan two thumbs up. It's very you, good. Yeah, we'll give it two thumbs up, right? You and I both give it thumbs up. You and McGregor, you cannot argue with his talent. Uh, no, now, no. I here's the thing. I don't have a problem with Merwin. I will say this, Merwin. If, if anything, if anything, before I attack the the Boba Fett, the Book oh, of Boba don't, Fett was please weak. don't. That was no, we know weak doesn't dis- weak doesn't describe it. No, I'm just gonna weak. say it was it was weak because they're not done. They're not. Um. Oh no, they're done because they ruined it. That's how done not, they are. No, no, they're not done because Disney loves to beat something. As soon as soon as baby is here's thing, as soon as they had to put two episodes of the Mandalorian in the middle of it to save that season, it was done. I agree with that. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, without getting into the full rant, because I will do this shit for six hours. I no. do you elite like so I have no problem with Obi Wan, his portrayal, the I love you, McGregor. My problem with problem with the show is two things. One, it's got just lazy, bad writing because they, they, they seem to have this thing, and this is this is my critique of the whole kit and caboodle of them, is they have scenes they want in the, in the show, and they have they have a message they want to send. The story, they want the story to go a certain way. And then rather than write the story to support where they want to get to, they just throw some shit on the page, and then things just happen to work out the way they're supposed to, with zero logic whatsoever. So, do I, you th- I, do you agree with that from from watching the Obi Wan series that they did that shit a bunch? Go ahead, Jugan. You sit, you answer first. Go ahead. Yes and no. There, they have dropped some like like the when uh, Obi Wan was on the back of the car with uh, little Leia, he dropped yep. hints of his backstory with his brother. Yeah, I that got me invested in that story. That's those stories. I agree that like, agree with like them adding stuff in just to add it, of course. But it was fun to see the 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 fight between the Vader and Obi Wan, the last meeting. That was cool. Other than uh, that, now now here's my well, thing. I think Merwin, to your question, I think you are right. I think some of the writing did fall a little bit short. Uh, well, here's here's the big one. Okay. In episode four, yep. Darth Vader says to Princess Leia, "You weren't on a mercy mission this time." Mm-hmm. 
Now that line, well, well, when did you meet her before? When did you bump into her? The opportunity for that little girl to go up to Darth Vader and say that she was on a mercy mission and that he couldn't do anything to her would have been such a monumentous tie-in to the writing of the original script. It just, like, there's... That, and that's where I felt like they felt that the writing could have kind of crossed the T's a little bit more. And or they're doing it already. You can see how many things they are crossing together for the whole story arc where I felt like they left that out. Now, the battle was great. I agree. Um, but it also... Well, it, go ahead. Go ahead. It, no, no. I was going to say... In the interest of bringing our show back to talking about D&D, I'm going to let you be wrong, and right. <laughs> we're going to move on. Uh, for, the, for those, so for, for Juven, who probably doesn't know this, and for those of you that haven't heard me talk about it before, um, one of my formative experiences in life was, was seeing uh, and remembering going to see Empire Strikes Back in the movie theater when I was uh, three, and then Return of the Jedi when I was five. Um... So before I ever got a single lick of fantasy in me, it was Star Wars, and I, it's. He was Baby Yoda at, it, at Empire Strikes Back. You yeah, were it was Baby one Yoda. of the, it's one of my <laughs> fa- it's one of my dearest things of all time. So uh, I feel very passionate about it and could do this for hours. Um, I will concede to your point here, thing. There are parts of the show that were good, and I'm okay with saying that. Even if I don't like the story's take on some of the characters, um, like the Obi Wan Obi Wan's arc being the you know kind of PTSD comb, you know veteran you know disillusioned guy, like I don't particularly care for how that was done, but I, I get why that's an interesting story to some people. So it's interesting um, to me because I'm pretty much that. So <laughs> yeah, you know I'm I, I'm with I'm with it 100. So I understand I understand that uh, entirely. Um, there's other things that I have I have issues with. Um, so you make valid points, and they're definitely Doc. To your point, it Doc, is, there definitely were connections. Sad, it, is sad, it is sad in all of these different uh, sci-fi genres, whether it's Star Wars, Doctor Who, whatever it is. There's so many stories now that it just keeps getting painted in more and more, and less is left to our imagination. And I think that's that's the big thing. But let's get back to our confessions, right? Yeah, let's get back. Yeah. So, so Jugan, let me ask you. So. Um, and feel free to cut me off if I'm not doing it justice. So you put out this series, a recent one, called DM Confessions, where you go over things that you thought were a mistake um, in your game or an issue, something that didn't go the way you wanted it to, and then you kind of put out there how to fix it. So, you know, have you, you know, so how did you get to the idea of making that into a web series? What was the the onus that was, behind that's that? That's my question too. Yeah, that's what I was wondering as well, because I think so, it's a great idea. So. Uh... So I initially started the, like my YouTube as for Ramos at Siege and all that stuff. I ended up switching brands to D&D and all that stuff. And I have a lot of stuff for uh, Ultimate Werewolf 2. But I've been recently growing on Twitch a lot more than YouTube. And trying to understand analytics for YouTube, I finally understand you have to create separate content for youtube right and 
I'm looking, I kind of, I, I kind of approach it the same way I approached my D and D stream when I first started. It's like, what can I do different from other streamers that sets me apart from what they're doing? And I was looking like everybody has their own tips and tricks and stuff. And I had this vision that because as a DM, to be DMing for 20 years or five years, two years, it doesn't matter. Everybody makes mistakes. We're all human, right? And, uh, and I know there's a few things I wish I could go back and change or didn't play out or it could play out differently. And I thought maybe taking a different take and other than sitting in front of the camera say, hey, here's 10... Here's 10 tips to, to be a better dungeon master because there's already like 20 a videos. A billion like of those. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so I wanted to try something different and see how it is. And I've only made one video. It's kind of testing launching pad to see how it does. It's a rough cut. I could have done that a lot better, but you know, I want to see how it does because analytics, keywords that you put in is if uh, how YouTube uh, analytics work, right? Everybody says, 10 minute videos or a week video a week, whatever. That's all, that's all incorrect. Uh, YouTube analytics hits up for viewers, what viewers watch, right? So if somebody comes to watch one of my videos all the way through, it'll recommend another one of mine. Or if somebody watches a similar video that has similar tags or whatever, mine might pop up for them to watch. That's how the analytics for YouTube works. So it doesn't matter how long your video is. It doesn't matter how long, how much you update. It's how, you connect with other similar stuff that viewers are watching. So I felt like DM confessions could be a way of looking back at, on self-reflection for me as a growing, as a DM also providing stuff what I learned to help maybe other DMs that might have had similar problems. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the thing I kind of liked about it too, was when Merwin and I started doing this, I said to Merwin, look, I just want to be me. I, I, you know, I can't be anybody else but me. I'm, I can't do crazy stuff, whatever. And and I felt like when I saw your video, you're just you. You're like, I'm I'm like the DM. But then you have, you know, the voice talking back to you, which I thought was just such a great thing. Because I think about after I have a session, how I do that to myself, you know. And that's why I was like, wow, this is such a great idea. Yeah. So, that was one of, the, one of the driving things when we were setting up the format of this show was – you know, we wanted to have conversations about gaming topics and things and, and not be locked into that, you know, the top 10, you know, top 10 ways you can copy everybody else and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. And just be able to, you know, be able to go through. And if, as you have experienced numerous times tonight, we get off on tangents, we go down the rabbit hole, uh, we bring up shit that, you know, like, you know, things I hate, which is pretty much everything. But that's where all this stuff comes from, is just wanting to talk about that and have those kind of conversations. And one of the things that um, we've talked about, I have a lot of day one DM tips. That's what I call them. Uh, I think I might have brought this one up before, but it ties right into with with your show and what with this show and what you've done was the idea that you you know you accept the fact that a lot of what you do is a first draft. So you're going to write things down and plan them out for your session, and they're not going to go the way you thought they were going to go. Um, and you're a military guy, so you will you will have heard this this maxim before that you know no no plan survives first contact with the enemy, uh, and no session notes survive first contact with your players because they fucking suck and they're gonna <laughs> screw it up, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do whatever dumb shit you weren't expecting like jump down the hole or you know break your module in five seconds because they cheat and had a fifth level character in a first level game. I won't I won't name any names, Ty, but you know <laughs> that shit that shit happens. So don't be too hard on yourself. And then the other one, 
Uh, and we deal with this now, and you know, when you talk to other DMs and people on the internet, I'm sure you've had this this interaction where they're not willing to accept that anything that they did could have been better. I won't say wrong; that maybe that's harsh, but they could have written it different, planned it better. They they didn't do it perfectly, and it didn't come off the way they wanted to. I've had that shit happen a ton. When I was younger, I had a hard time admitting that. I was like, it was fine. The players just suck. You know, like that riddle was fine. They're just too stupid to figure it out. But that's not that's not always the case, right? So. It's nice to see that kind of content. So, like I said, you doing that, not only do you have specifics that you fix, lessons to teach, just having the confessional is a lesson in and of itself. So I think it's a wonderful idea, too. So I thought it would be a good idea, um, stealing a page out of our last guest book. We're going to steal your idea for our topic, the second half of the show. Um, I won't do it. I will only do it when you come by and visit so we don't take your thunder. But let's have a little DM confession, confessional right now. I have a bunch of gigantic ones that um, I wanted to br- that I have ready to go. One in particular. Uh, but since you're the guest, Jugen, uh, do you have, you know, not to spoil any future topics, but do you have something that, you know, has been bugging well, you? Well, maybe, maybe. How about this? How about this? So we don't. He doesn't use any of his content. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, what, I don't want to ruin any of your content. What, what if? What if he? You and I have to confess to him, and he can be the voice. The voice of reason? Yeah, we have to answer. Oh, so how about, tell you know what, then? what is your confession? Say, like, say, 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 how about, how about that? Here's, a, hey, here's an idea. How about, here's how we're going to do this. Uh, Doc, we will confess. We will get Jugan's opinion, his, his, uh, his, ed, his judgment on what we, sh- what we could have and should have done different how to fix the problem, and then we'll actually honestly tell him what we did to fi- what we thought we were going to fix the problem with. No pressure, right? Okay. No pressure at all. I'll have you lead because I'm still trying to think of which one, what I'm going to talk okay. about. Still, still con- I'm still all right. kind of which, which confession I would give up. Here okay. Without right. spoilers. Right. spoilers too. So, all right. So, uh, let's see. What's a good one for me? Uh, well, let's go with uh, let's just go with the biggest one. This has been weighing on me for a while. Uh, DM confessional. I have sinned. <laughs> I've had. <laughs> I, I I I have made an an impure decision in the heat of the moment. Here's what I did. My uh, I was so I was playing in a long running game. We got to the very end of it, and we had had a player who for a while um, was going very chaotic. Um, you know, he we had, we had played in person. Everything was fine. We had to go long distance when everybody was, was in their own homes during the lockdown. Uh, everything was fine. And then we were able to get together locally, but he had moved over the course of the apocalypse and couldn't physically come join the game. And we, we didn't want to exclude him. We wanted to keep him there. So we let him, you know, he played remotely. Worked okay, but some things started to change. So we get to the very end. We're at like literally the last two sessions of the entire campaign. It is it it is the mini boss battle closing up some story arcs and then the fi- the finale of the campaign is like the next week, right? So the fight goes on and one of the characters, who full disclosure is my daughter's character, uh, her whole motivation of the game was trying to find this friend, right? 
that NPC shows up and just happens to be with the bad guy. Uh, but they found out that it, it may, you know, that, that it, it started off as a kidnapping, uh, and then there was some shared interest and whatnot. So it wasn't, it wasn't that they had taken a heel turn. It's just, they were there with the bad guy, um, and had, and had not had the experiences with, with the, uh, NPC who was, became the mini boss of the campaign, um, which was the problem player's original character, that he walked away from after another thing, which I will tell that story one of these times too, because it was one of the best gaming sections I've ever had. But anyways, so they're fighting this guy, the the, the mini boss, the for, the player's former character. His current character is engaged in the battle, and the friend of my daughter's character, uh, that NPC, is at the far end of the of this bridge that they're fighting on. There's undead giants and and all sorts of cool stuff. And once, as soon as they got the upper hand, right, so the, 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 the mini-boss was going to be defeated, the giants were taken care of, he abruptly runs to the far end of the bridge where he had seen this NPC. He as a player and his character knows that this is another party member's, basically their personal goal is to find and save this character. They've been working on it for, for months of gameplay. He runs over... She's done nothing to harm the party. She's just been there. Runs over and unleashes a freaking volley of attacks on this character. Drops the character to zero. And I'm like, okay. I may not like how it went, but I can understand the logic. That you just wanted to make sure they didn't decide to, all of a sudden, at the end of the fight, after doing nothing, start throwing spells at you, I guess. I don't agree with it, but I'll let it slide. Puts the character down and says, "Okay, you know, so you know, you, you know, your, uh, you know, your second of three attacks drops the character uh, unconscious at your feet. So what are you gonna do? Like, are you gonna like run back and, and hit the boss or clean up one of the the undead giants that's left over? What are you gonna do?" He goes, "No, he goes, I down that, I down this one. I'm just gonna punch her and kill her. I'm like, you're going to kill." The NPC that you know a party member has been trying to save for, like, the whole campaign that's done nothing. Yeah, yeah, she needs to die. I can't let her attack us. And I fucking lost it. Like, I just snapped. And one of the players sitting at the table, he, go, he looks at me, he goes, he goes, why is he doing that? And I go, I don't fucking know. Apparently he thinks his character should be evil one game before the end of the campaign. Go ahead, fucking do it. And I just, I just fucking lost it. Cool. In front of everybody. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you know, and it got real quiet and real awkward. Yeah. I yeah. And uh and I'm like, I go, okay, you hit her, it's a crit. All right, I gotta roll a death save on the next round. Uh and then it goes around in the next round. My daughter's character goes running across the bridge to save her friend. Doesn't doesn't get there in time. I have to make one death save and of course I fail, so now the character is dead. And I'm like, all right, that's the end of the session for tonight. Anyways, we'll figure out what happens next time. And then I just cut the game off. I have made mistakes. So how do I, should you know, what should I have done instead of losing my cool that this player went rogue and murdered somebody's backstory character? Potentially, by the way, causing a party fight that would destroy the entire campaign the session before the last one. 
What should I have game, done? Is this game streamed or is it just a home game? No, it's just is our home game. Well, at least it's not streamed. All right. <laughs> um, how old is your daughter? Uh, thirteen. Well, it's twelve at the time. Um, and uh, her response to it was appropriate in game, like in game, in character shock and emotion. Uh, and then she's like, "All right, I'm just gonna kill this character now. We're cool with this. This is gonna go down." I'm like, "Oh, my little murder hobo. I love you so much." But um, took it really well, like in stride. Uh, I was one that lost my shit. Uh, the biggest thing I would suggest is like it's probably my next topic because I let it happen or, or did I kind of guilty of it, but not losing like losing my coal or whatever. Uh, but uh, the biggest thing is can't take away player agency. Um, if this character is going to kill an NPC, you gotta let it happen. You gotta let the chips fall where it leads. You gotta keep in mind, like my my type of DMing is evolved. I'm more of a fade into the background, only come in when I'm needed. It's the player's story much as is me providing the story. So wherever they do in game, all right, you won't kill this NPC that does nothing to you. Guess what? It's going to be consequences now. Maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's like bodyguards there to protect it. They didn't see that comes out and whacks in now. Instead getting, I would like definitely control their emotions a little bit maybe it messed up with your uh story um but yeah well, i think i think the... i think what you said too um if you had let the player build a, the player agency and you step back like jugan said and think about well what else could happen in this scene for me to control the scene um but you lost your cool, so there was no, there was no thinking about the scene at that point. And I could see that with your daughter at the table too. Like, what's yeah. That? Well, no. So, um, so parental confession. Um, I did not care that it was her, or like I didn't no. care at all that it was her story or it happened to her character. Yeah. I th- would have freaked out if it happened to any, if that was Anybody. somebody else's character. I what I cared about was. We had played this campaign for a little over like 18, 19 months, like coming to the end of, a, of an almost two-year-long game. Great stories, great memories. And like literally the game, the campaign could end in a fucking PvP battle. <laughs> the session before the end for something that didn't have to happen, and that fucking set me off. Because yeah, and, I- and, there, and definitely there was a part of me that worried... And, and I talked about I talked with the players afterwards. Well, I, I'll get to that. Sorry, there was a part of me that was worried that it was an intentional action to ruin the campaign by this player. Mm-hmm. So, was well, it? Uh, well, we never found out. They quit. You never. No, 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 no. They no. They came back, which led me to my second confessional. I'm going to get to in a second. So no. Um, Good thing I brought you on, Jugan. He has a, he has a lot to confess here. Oh, oh yeah, no. I'm, I am a I am a sinner. I also welcome to the people in the chat. Uh, I see two na- two messages, both of which involve me being an asshole, which is a thousand percent true. Uh, I am I am an evil DM, uh, and also not a nice person. Uh, thankfully, though, I'm a sociopath, so I lie about it, and nobody really figures it out. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, um, I'll just say like yeah, I control the emotions, and the characters going to do what they're going to do, and I I'm more of a reactive. DM, mm-hmm. I'll respond to what you do, and then 
you just got like especially the murdering hobos like you just can't walk into town and kill an instant of and expect nothing to happen yeah people are gonna come after you fair uh no it's a fair point and sage advice father i appreciate it uh i will say my <laughs> helm I, I will say my hail marys um and i will count on the bead of d20s uh until i've said players are going to do what players are going to do 30 times I'll, i will do it so but no we did we did it we i had the conversation with the players afterwards the other players and i'm like like I really, I don't, I don't know. Like it felt, it felt like it might be an intentional thing, and we weren't sure. Then we talked. I talked to the the player involved, uh, you know, and I'm like, dude, like what the fuck? You know, I go, I go, look, man, I go, uh, you know, my, I, you know, I said, I go, my problem isn't that it's like my kid's character or story or anything. It's, it's that, like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense for the character you've played this whole time, and it doesn't make sense. For what's going on, because if 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 this triggers a party fight, like, I'm not going to stop it, and you're not beating the other five characters, like it's not going to happen because they're all against you. They're all going to kill you. So like I don't think you're going to win that. And 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 there's no there's, there's no good there's no good ending. Like if you get killed, then that's a mess. And then if you kill anybody else while they take you down, like you've guaranteed like you've guaranteed that there's no way you guys can complete the objective of the entire campaign. So I can't understand as a player and as a character why you'd have done this. And he goes, "Well, I was tired." I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh, god, yeah." So I had a hard time with that one. I'm like, I go, "Look, I go, okay." I go, "Well, I mean, it is what it is." I go, "Just letting you know, though. Like, we resume next week. It's gonna go how it's gonna go." Uh, thankfully, the you know because it's impossible to kill anyone in D and D fifth edition. You know the the cleric had, well permanently. Cleric the cleric had revivify. Um, you know, and it did, it did, it did put a, it did put a hurt on the, it did dampen the resources though, because it, it led to characters actually permanently dying in the final battle because that spell was burned up and the, the component was burned up. So there were less people that lived than could have, but, uh, but I agree. I should have not have lost my shit at the table. That was very undm. It was very undm like of me. I shouldn't have done it. I should have just murdered him. But in, kind of brings in a second topic for that. Okay. You bring up a good point. Like. We've been talking about character alignments tonight yep. a lot too, and for me, how I also kind of not have that happen when characters do something crazy. Part of my session zero, I tell them like, character alignments. I really don't care. This way I vision it. Characters can change their alignment halfway through the story, or something happens and it changes mm -hmm. their views. Like you may start out, you may start out like a lawful good, but some crazy crap happens during the campaign. It, Twists your mind, you may become a oath of redemption paladin, and something happens. Now you're oath breaker. Who knows? Like when stuff like that happens in the campaign, well, guess what? There's consequences. If you're a paladin, you go over and kill this NPC that's done nothing to you. Guess what? You're breaking your oath, and now you're gonna have other paladins from your order coming after you because you broke your oath. You know? I just rat to the players. And as I, say, I was going to say, you, you seem very involved with your players, and that's that's the key. I always say that, you know, a DM and player connection is, is so essential for a good campaign. So that's awesome. All like, right, I, Doctor, you've stalled long enough. In your booth you go. Yes, I, I, I am ready. I've been thinking uh, hard and deep about what my confession would be, but I, I think without being specific and giving anything away, my, my biggest problem, and, and again, um, I think... 
Jugen is completely aware of my biggest issue. I am the quaffing DM. I am the DM that'll say something that I should not say, like, oh, the Jack Fry. Oh, I mean, oops. Oh, yep. Like, I always quaff and say, like, the bad guy that I'm not supposed to say or something I'm not supposed to read out loud or. Shame! Shame! I'm so bad at it. I don't know how to. And, and the worst part is, I don't know how to back out after I do something like that. Like, now, do you have a specific time you did it and it really mucked things up? Give it to me. What was the What's the biggest time you flubbed it like that? I don't want to say right now. You need to. <laughs> That's what. We're, look, you're in the booth, man. It's just you, God, and the DMs. You got to say it. You must uh, confess your sins. Uh, it's 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 right now. I, the the Chronic Explorers. They 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 secretly know who the baddie is because I quaffed like week two. And then, like, you know, six months in, they're like, hey, it's the bad guy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, you know, like, and it's just, I feel like such a jerk. Like, do I? You don't have a backup, you know, BBG case? I do. I do. I do. Sure. It's not just a little henchman guy. And just and just go with that and just go with that. Um, this, yeah, okay. I've done the same, like okay. especially especially when you when I run like Icewind Dale or Cinderverse, because you get the little cliff notes. And sometimes I'm like with work and Navy and stuff, I, I don't prepare as much as I should be. But I'll when I'm reading off the paper, I'll read too much where it says specifically right, right, for right. the deal, and I'll read it out to them. It's like. And I'll get like halfway through the words, like, ooh, I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, uh, we all, like I said, we're all human. We all make mistakes. Uh, I would say, I would, I would give my tips for is be able to adjust on the fly. Um, like you like, said, have a backup, have a backup bag. Like, one of my pet peeves for me is, uh, it happened recently. Um, players like. We all like we play this game enough, and like certain like static stat blocks, everybody knows like weaknesses and stuff. I've be I've been able to on the fly change stuff where it doesn't make it overpowering and stuff, and like spell effects might effect that normally does not. Okay. The legendary actions on the fly or something like that. I've been able to adjust on the fly real quick. Well, revealing a bit bad, like. Icewind Dale, um, the Big Bad just officially got revealed, right? Because uh, everybody knows Icewind Dale, right? You know, Arrail's the Big Bad of the. Well, spoilers, anyone who doesn't know, go ahead. Yeah, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> if you're going off the module itself, spoilers. But for me, when I picked up the module and wanted to run it, right? I looked at her stat block. She's very underwhelming. Like, my characters could kill her at level four. Okay. So, and I like reading a bunch of lore and stuff, and I was looking at Levistus, the fifth layer of hell, uh, Archdevil, and I was reading lore and how he got frozen in an iceberg. So the bat story for mine, which I'm fine revealing now because the players know who Levistus is because he showed up and 
So there's no stat block for Levisus because he's not meant to be a bit bad. Right, right. So I took uh, Zariel's stat block, twisted it, changed it, and all this. So I have a stat block for Levisus. Well, Levisus was free by Ariel, and now Levisus is a little bit bad in my homebrew story. So basically, my Icewind Dell campaign is now completely homebrew. I'm just using the setting at this point. And um, he showed up and on the fly, you know. He's super powerful, and uh, thankfully, you know, the group is called Twice Dice because they all died at least once. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the way I did him, I hinted at him, like visions and stuff, a guy frozen in ice, and I, and the very first guy that they killed from the theme of confessions, uh, or they didn't kill him, they captured him, but he's still coming back, is shallow, and, and he is like the warlock one of the warlock patrons of uh Levisus. and they i dropped when they had him it's like i, I kind of used a trope from king arthur the clive owen one where it says spill my blood and make this land holy he basically says spill my blood for Levisus." all right no that's, <laughs> yeah. that's you, just, you gave me some great ideas too talking about it yeah. uh, all right so, thank so you. i got a uh, i got i got another one for you it's not my actual well two things it's not my actual story but i was there for it and uh the chat has asked uh you know about unintentional railroading of people uh that's so make my next video too because i've done it yeah so uh, i have a, a little story about that uh but before i do for those of you who hang out in the chat we just popped up a poll. Am I an asshole? I voted yes for myself because it's a thousand percent true. So thank you very much, chat. You can burn in hell. But uh, <laughs> okay. no. So uh, uh, I played in a bunch of games where that has happened, and um, the unintentional railroading. I I, I told the story of the orange D twenty right. Uh, last week, so you met right, you right. Jugan, and I heard it. Essentially, I you know I had the great so the story arc where my players are tricked into creating uh, a magic item that the villain's going to steal. Right, so good idea, you know, classic story kind of stuff. Uh, you know, a little bit tropey, a good narrative though. It gives them a villain to go after and a thing that you know. Oh, we got tricked! Ha 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 ha. But thinking about how I set that whole game up, like there wasn't an option there was nothing my player could have done where I would not have stolen the sword the, the sword from them after they made it you know if he had refused a drink I would have found some other way to incapacitate him or steal the sword I didn't have any outs built it was you build it I say you're exhausted I say you take a drink I say you, you know I say that you are you know paralyzed poison knocked out and then it gets stolen um, so I wasn't planning on doing that. I wasn't. Pl- I didn't write it with the intention of not giving the players the ability to, um, you know, to get the sword back. That was always the intention. But part of my setup, there was no play whatsoever. So if he had refused a drink, if the wizard had hung out with him while he made it, so there was a second character there, uh, I'd like. I think I would have just rammed it through somehow, some contrivance. So my confession is, I didn't plan for my players to have agency. And on the fly, I would have taken it from them. How do I fix that? That's. I would say. Without being. Just don't do it. <laughs> but uh, 
always I, 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 want, I wanted to ask a question though because I, I feel like there's uh, there's a point to and an adventure as a, as a game master where you're kind of uh, setting the scene and the mood and it's not really railroading so yeah, I mean were you like I can answer that one yeah. were you like in the middle of play that this happened like I, I, that's that's what I'm trying to understand because to me it sounds like this was a setup for something go ahead Dugan you wanted to say something go ahead so there, the term railroading gets confused a lot with the term linear. Mm-hmm. Like Descent in Avernus is a linear campaign. You have one yeah. objective, and there's ways to get to it. You can veer off the tracks a little bit, but you always come back to it. And what he's describing is he had one scenario, one scenario only. So what he could should have done, the fit step was have a couple scenarios. Did they have an option to not even make it? Yeah, no, no, it had, it kind of, you know, that's what I wrote, and uh, it kind of had to happen. So I would suggest that maybe, like, if they didn't do it, the bad guy comes in and makes it himself, or something, something along the lines. Yeah. I, like I said, I'm a very reactive uh, DM, I've learned this in my trials, it's like, I've learned to not be so set in stone, if you watch my older campaigns, I'm very set in stone, because basically i build a scene if they don't go to the scene this whole build and i had to learn to break myself of that right yeah there's a scene in the outsiders where they're in the cave there's another item across the bridge i was trying i had the little npc cool balls pushing them across the bridge i was railroading them forcing them to go over there so they get that one item when they just want to go back to town, but I didn't let them go back to town. So I definitely railroaded them into going over to get this one item I know that was there. But they wanted to go back to town, then come back, and I didn't let them do that. That's what's railroading. So I would suggest maybe just make sure you plan in case they didn't want to do it or give them other options and accomplish your goals. Build it, build it more less linear. Have it built less linear, then it's yeah. that's then you wouldn't have the problem. Like if you yeah. build it linear, you're going to keep hitting the problem. It sounds like it doesn't matter. No, fair enough. And, then, and there's and there's nothing wrong with letting something organically happen at the table that makes another outcome too. Fair enough. Yeah. The uh, in the chat, the, uh, the the scenario given was that you know low level players join an adventuring guild. I've never been a fan of those. They always seem kind of cheesy to me. But that was a big thing with. Uh, with Forgotten Realms, as you, you know, you get your adventuring compact and you become officially people. But uh, anyways, they were assigned their first couple of jobs, and then the, the players later complained that they felt like they were railroaded. See, I think uh, my definition of railroading, I've talked about this before, is it's not, you know, like, so, like sometimes you impact what happens in the game, sometimes the, you know, you, or sometimes you cause events to happen, sometimes events just happen to you. You know, if you're in town and the orcs attack, and you got to deal with that. That's not railroading. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. You know what? What you know? What I eventually learned uh, as railroading that I do a good job of avoiding now is how you resolve what's happening around you. That you should be free to do. So to yeah. your point, having the sword getting built, having that happen isn't a railroad, and having a, a linear story for how they you know if the trick in the player and how it goes, <clears throat> but it's the individual parts of the scene. That need to be built flexible so that the players can impact that. So yeah, like to your point, I should have had it written where, you know, if the player doesn't drink, they have to do this to, to get the sword from him. If he defeats them, 
he gets to keep the sword. We'll figure that shit out. It should have been open to those possibilities. Should have written something for it and been prepared. Uh, you were 100% cool. correct. Now, I've had the opposite happen. But what were you going to say, Drew? Uh, I was going to say, also, Kevin, you touched on it, too. Like, Or if something they're doing in there you didn't plan for, you had like you, you had to set goal before it's made, and they do something completely opposite. It might fit better for it being made. And mm -hmm. that, you might like that better and allow that to work. And also, if you will watch the very first episode of Order of the Goblet, the campaign starts completely different. I told the players before we even started, all right, you guys are locked up in cages, transported somewhere. Your job is to figure out what the hell happened and how you got locked up. It's kind of railroady, but that's how the campaign starts. Right, that's what I was saying. At, at some point, it's there's a setting that they're set mm -hmm. in. Um, and you know, I, I often think about a lot of sci-fi shows do that too, where it starts right in the episode already, or they're like Captain Kirk's already on the planet in the midst of something happening. That's that's how a lot of this. I mean, narratives work that way uh, a lot of times. I feel they're stronger that way sometimes too. Um, yeah, it's not necessarily railroading, but that's why I was asking you if it happened in the middle, because then it's different. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> With that, the starting of that. Uh, Order to Goblet. I told them before we started session. Now I said, after I do the intro and the kind of the backstory of the campaign, the kind of the setting, I'm going to go to each character. This is not a talky part for you. I'm just describing because they gave me a, uh, some cliff notes, some kind of left it open for me to fulfill. I'm going to go through each character and describe how you got caught, what happened. You don't talk, I just describe it, and you get thrown into a cage. After I go through every character, that's when we cut to all y'all in the cage. And I think that's a I've gotten compliments on it because it forces the party to work together to accomplish a goal early on and keeps like you were talking about, like inner conflict, like the PvP kind of helps keep that away from the party. Because in that party, there's a character that hates goblins and Ori is a goblin. Guess what? They're working together to get out of the situation yeah, they're exactly. in. Yep. <laughs> continue yeah no no i started i started i started to use the like some contrived openings to get around that the uh, you know you meet in a tavern and shit goes sideways right to start um which yeah it feels railroady but also you need to get your game off on a certain kind of certain footing so that you're good to go um so everyone so i'm not to bring up something i said i wouldn't talk about but i can't help myself no, on the top <laughs> no, on, the, on the topic of railroading my complaints about the obi-wan show uh, and the bad writing of it, yeah, it's, and yeah, it's never. I never let it go. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, my, no, my complaints about no, it's is that they railroad the narrative. So the examples I will give, spoilers, if you haven't watched it, you know, mute me now. But you know, they want so like so he's saying so they need Obi Wan to escape. So rather rather than writing a scene that makes sense for how Obi Wan gets away originally, they they just have Reva become like incompetent, and then apparently the entire Imperial Navy, and the planetary governor, and the Sith, and the Inquisitors. Apparently, nobody figures out that they can stop, intercept, or just destroy all the droid transport ships, cargo ships that are droid controlled, because Obi Wan's going to be on one of them. Just blast them all out of the sky, or send them all back. Block the hyper the the hyperspace routes. They didn't do anything in the writing of it. 
to justify Obi-Wan and, and little Leia getting away. It just happened because reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a good example of the railroad thing. Like, well, I know you figured out who the bad guy was, and I know you cut him off before they got to the ship they were going to escape on, and I know you were in the right spot, but um, the boxes fall down and you can't get around them, and they get on the ship and the ship sails away, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, that's that's what the, a lot of those shows are doing now to get to the points they want to get to, right. which is railroad in the yeah, narrative. Linear, I think the linearness of that story comes from the amount of characters in it, and that's what I was saying. If you if you look at something like Andor, there are a lot more characters in the story, and you can see the actual story. It, it, it's telling more than one story. Yeah, but um, back to D and D stuff, so I don't yeah. bitch about this all night long. Um, and this will be my final confessional, and then we're going to go into the shit that I hate, because we are just about the three-hour three hour mark, gentlemen, so well done. You can talk almost as much as I do. But, um, <laughs> I told no, you I was going to warn you before we no, started. I love, no, I, no, I love it, and I'm, I'm not complaining at all. Um, but, no, the uh, the opposite can happen, and I ran into, and I ran into this, and I, I legitimately, uh, all, uh, all hyperbole aside, I don't understand, still have a hard time understanding... If I did something wrong as the DM, if it was players trying to kind of submarine the whole the whole scenario for whatever reason. So my final DM confession is I tried to be open-ended and accommodating to be sandboxy so the players would have all the agency. And I ran into a scenario that ultimately led to the end of the campaign where I put out it had to be a half dozen or more plot hooks. Um, character backstory plot hooks. Current event plot hook. And then a recurring villain plot hook. They had killed somebody. They were resurrected by another enemy. Uh, and then came back as a revenant. You know, um, characters had backstory stuff that we did through Session Zero. Um, leading up And leading up to Session Zero. Where I'm like, alright, well this is available for you to go take care of. If you guys want to. And they're like, nope, we don't want to do that. Okay, well, this recurring villain shows back up. I'm like, oh, we don't want to deal with him. We're gonna, we're gonna ditch him. I'm like, okay, well, the the guy who sent the revenant after you, you find out, you know where they're going, and uh, you know you have a chance to confront them. No, we don't want to do that. Oh, like, ever, like six or seven or eight hooks leads, just nothing. They wanted nothing to do with anything, and. I didn't railroad them into anything. I didn't force something to happen to them. I left them for several sessions in a place where they could pick what they wanted to do, and the game just ground to a terrible halt and ended shortly thereafter. So my confession is I didn't save the campaign. I let it kind of die in the vine based on what the players did or, in this case, didn't want to do. What should I have done? I have the perfect answer for you. Okay. Kill them all? Good answer. <laughs> no. Oh, no, it wasn't I, murder? I, I, okay, sorry. No, no, no. I have adopted this into the campaign, and it's already playing out in Order to Goblet. Uh, whatever characters write me, I have an idea for, like, depending on what campaign I'm run, the overarching story. Like, for Icewind Dale, right? Doros' character is directly linked to the campaign setting, right? Without him even knowing it to begin with, right? Just like... I kind of had this conversation with Bones anyway, uh, but her character, uh, I won't say too much. I like to link, basically, bottom line is, I like to take what bat stories I get from characters. I'll choose one that fits perfectly or close to perfect as much as possible that 
wherever they write me or they leave it open for interpretation, mm-hmm. I'll tie their bat story directly into the main bat story of the main or main bat story, main plot of the campaign I got running, the overall nature. That way there's always a driving force for the party to follow it because they think they're following their own bat stories, but hence I have tricked them right, to follow right. the main plot. So where you had that sandbox, Merwin, if there was a little more uh, of each character's law, they might have been driven to go to one of those locations. You don't have, but you don't have to do all characters. You can choose choose one. Just one. But when they decide to follow that, guess what? You, you, it's sandbox. See, they're still following which way they want to go. But you tricked them into thinking they're following their own bad stories, but they're actually following the main campaign that you have set up because they didn't know that you tied their bat story into the campaign. See, like, you seemed so nice, but now I realize you're just as evil as the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like I had, like, speak, this, it helps me out too, so I don't have to do all the work either. One of the characters is written a bit bad for Order of the Goblet, and they just don't know it yet. I like it. All right, well, let me wrap up this section with first a thank you and a final question for you, Jugan, uh, before I get into the shit that I hate for the week. Um, where, sadly, I think we might have a disagreement uh, coming up, and uh, well, well, I relish second, that. But, yep. I, was, I will say this also to help with that so it doesn't feel mm-hmm. railroady for Sam Bossy. I will say... Matt Mercer does this very well, and I've used it all the time, especially now. But if they take a long rest, whatever, it open up in the session. I say, what was your characters like to do? And I respond to that way. As long as you start out with that, it doesn't feel railroady. They have a choice. Continue. Sorry. Sage advice. So um, let me finish with a question. Shit you hate. No, before <laughs> I get into shit I hate. Um, no, a question. So... Uh, I've been throwing this out to all the DMs of people we have on the show. Um, I know your DM confessional dealt with the uh, avoiding a TPK, so I might know your answer. But in general, when you are playing, uh, and let's just say it's not first stream where you have a motivation to keep the story going. Just your home game doesn't matter if people die. Your DM philosophy, do you strive to keep them alive or fuck it, let them die? That's ever-evolving. Because... All my games I run is streamed, and uh, the being my game, all the character, all the players purchase their own minis, mm-hmm. um, and I always have that weighing in the back of my mind. I've said this in the videos. I, I, I will feel me as a player or as a DM will feel terrible killing off their character, especially early on, uh, after they get their mini. But since I have now covered that in session zero now, now I don't hold back. Uh, whatever happens, happens. If your player mm-hmm. dies, your player dies. I let them know in session zero or whatever they sign up. I'm sorry, for interviews. It's like if you buy your mini, just keep in mind, are you okay buying a mini and your character dies a couple sessions in? They say okay, it takes that weight off back of my mind. Fair enough. So you paint minis as well. Are do you have you experienced the same curse that I have I have done before people bought their own that you would get a mini for them, you'd paint it, it'd be awesome, you'd finally finish it, and they got fucking murdered the second you gave it to them. Every time does that happen to you? No, all all of my players or I, it's a requirement because I don't. I'm running four campaigns. I don't have time to paint everybody's minis. Yeah. Here. 
So they make their miniature on Hero Forge. They order it colored and send it to me. Okay. So he's not responsible for their miniatures. He's only take care of his monsters. All right, fair enough. I just and I know. I, I like that's a good idea. And I, with the promise, at the end of the campaign, or if they're if the character inevitably dies, I mail their character back to them because they did pay for it. I don't keep it unless it's, it feels like you're it feels like you're holding them hostage. You had the money they paid for, so like you either comply or you never get this back. I love it. It's like a little voodoo doll, and you have like control. Well, that's, that's what happened to me for Descendant Verse when I first started Descendant Verse. Some I had younger players that couldn't afford their mini size. Oh, I'll buy your mini sure It's fine. I have a couple miniatures right now that I personally bought for the players, and they never end up playing. So now I'm wasting that miniatures. money. Yeah, wasted that money. So, it, I, I would say that part be like the only thing I charge for in the game is people, but they still get their mini at the end of the campaign. I don't hold on to it. Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you again. Thanks for everybody who's I, listening. I, I, want, I had one for him. I had one for him oh, too. Go. So, um, I noticed your mug says Virginia. Are you located in Virginia? I'm currently stationed in Virginia now. All right, so do you know your state's horror movie? We ask everyone if they know their state's horror movie. Do you know what horror movie took place in the state of Virginia? Any guesses? Uh, I'm not familiar with this movie at all, so... I, I, is it, I know what you did last summer. That is not on my list. It might be. I don't know. I have the movie. I knew it was somewhere over here. And I have I the movie remember. Mama. Merwin, do you know the movie Mama? Uh, I believe it's a recent movie where, um, uh, what's her name? She's in a bunch of stuff now. Uh, I can't think of the. I'll think of the actress's name in a second. But um, yeah, she starts like letting the kids hang out at her house and you know party there, and she's like the adopted mom, and then she turns out to be like a psycho. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, so we've just revealed another state. Uh, as as that's the move that that can't be the only one in Virginia, right? That's the one they have listed well, on my map. So here's my confessional. I'm not a big horror fan. Okay. Oh, fair right. enough. Fair only enough. horror horror movies I liked is because it was Paranormal Activity. Because I good one. Did you did that. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. That's the only reason I one. watched them. But I'm not a big horror fan movie. And when you say campaign wise too, you you would not you don't really go towards that vampire dark gothic. You'd rather stay fantasy, uh, Dragonlance. Uh, no, I teased one in the opening campaign of Order the Goblin. All right, all right. There there was a certain individual that got out of a black carriage that was completely blacked out, white skinned. It took something from one of the players, which might come up later. So you enjoy your horror playing as well. Okay, you're not a horror fan of I, I don't like, I don't, because almost every horror film I go to see, I think is going to be good. It's just terrible. All right. Because I, for, for me as an, a military police and stuff, I approach certain situations. I think about stuff in the back of my hand, what I would do in the situation. In movies, kind of like railroading, right? Mm -hmm. It forces the actors to do something stupid like run into <laughs> run to op, like run into a graveyard instead of running for the car that's ready for you to get it out of this. like so, I so, can't stand stuff like that it's like classic horror it's like hmm the lights went out I wonder what happened Billy are you in the basement it's so dark down here well I'll just go down here anyways alright well hey thank you for all that alright on to the shit that I hate uh, and I hate to say it you and I might disagree about this 
uh, right now, Drew, maybe you agree. Uh, I stopped. Uh, I have a problem with, with my current thing I hate is not Critical Role itself, although I'm a little sad about the se- current season. I don't think it's as good as the first two for a bunch of reasons. But I think the thing... Episode 2 or Campaign 2 is the best one. Uh, it's, it's really good. I'm not gonna. I'm, that's uh, that's a that's a debate for a different show between one and two. Yeah. But two is really really good. Has some of my favorite characters. But the thing I hate, Critical Role at this moment for is their response to the whole OGL thing. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have kind of a milk toast response, which, considering that they probably have uh, a significant financial interest in in wizards and whatnot. I understand, but the part that bothers me, and I put this in our chat, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my hat on this here on the internet because I think this is going to be what happens. Um, I dislike that their response is wrapped around giving credence to the nonsense in Wizards' response in Wizards' response about um, their goal with the OGL being to protect uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity in their games and products. Um, I am so sick of hearing that nonsense because, like, if you if, if companies are using this shit now as their defense and screen for everything, if they got to raise their prices, it's because of this. If they do something stupid, it's because they were trying. It's because of that. If anything bad happens to them, it's because of this. I'm I'm first of all, I'm tired of hearing it, and I and I it really bothers me that people are going to take their belief in an ideology. And use that to ignore the reality. Like, does anybody really believe that wizards put all of that language in their OGL about getting a, a perpetual license to take people's stuff and use it forever without having to pay them for it because they were worried that the game wasn't going to be inclusive and open enough to everybody? Like, are they so worried that old school gamers might uh, have a different idea of what they want to have in their campaigns, different struggles, different topics, deal with different things? You know, like, is that such a big concern that they needed to make sure that they could license your content? I get writing language about shutting down shit like that if you really have a problem with it. But to put in there that, oh, by the way, we also own, we also can use your stuff for free if we want to, um, and put you out of business, but only because you're a racist? Like, that, like, do we really believe that? Like, if you don't believe this is a cash grab from Wizards, uh, and, and a gross overreach that puts the third party community at, ri- like, at risk of being destroyed. I don't know what you're doing. And the fact that Critical Role, who is the largest presence in the social media world for our hobby, would come out with that milk toast statement, I can I can get over. But to put in but to make but to put the language in their statement about supporting, you know, that's what they care about is diversity and inclusion for the hobby. It makes it, it makes me feel real hinky about that because I worry that they're going to take Wizard's side and ignore the cash grab aspects of it to defend Wizards putting that stuff in their statement. That bothers me. I was really let down. That's what I hate this week. I think Jugan disagrees. Let me hear what no, you got to say. I'm going to explain it to you. Okay. If you listen to Campaign 3, yep. you, like, listen, you can tell Matt Mercer what he's doing. All the gods and stuff, he's mm-hmm. weaving all the content out. I think... What they're doing is a calculated tactic, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a, a, I, I, if I was in charge for a day of Critical Role, I would put something similar out. Because guess what? At the end of the day, it's a leak. It's not official. People, uh, no, it, 
it's not a leak, man. They that that the OGL stuff that was leaked mm-hmm. was sent with a contract to creators along with an NDA, and a couple people release it. You don't. You don't. Do and you, we're not big enough. You yeah, don't. I'm not big enough here, and that and plus what but, I do, I don't. I have not created anything to even be a factor for the OGL, so I really don't have a take in it. The way I look at it, it's like I, I'm a firm believer until I see something in writing or something that says it's official, I'm not going to put that much stock in it. Yes, it is what they have written is nobody should sign that thing in the first place. But Critical Role and a lot of other companies, I think what I think they're doing, they're setting up to create their own game system to run. Mm-hmm. And what Critical Role is that is what their statement was to say, hey, we're not at this. What sounds like way I read their statement is like, we're not taking any sides as of right now because nothing is official yet. That's how I read it. I think there were a lot more people at the table and they were one of the people at the table and this shit went awry. So that's why they did a milquetoast statement because the original table deal is probably now altered and they probably have to sit down again and figure out what they're doing because I'm sure they're all and, they're, they're railroading us. And if they do have a contract with Wizards, they might have certain stuff they can't say. Maybe right. the stuff they really want to say. Exactly. They can't, exactly. Yeah, Maybe. they might not be able to say what they really want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, all fair points, gentlemen, and I appreciate your feedback. Uh, I will say in closing for the things I hate, though, it what bugs me the most about the thing is that I you, you will never convince me that Wizards didn't put that language in their OGL, so that they could, so that they could use it to try to get uh, people on their side because of their social justice stance. That's, that's why we wrote it in there, and I think it's a dirty tactic to it use what, my, what is a real problem for some people in order to get people on their side for something horrible. It's you know, like I think it did the complete opposite, made it even worse. Oh, I think yeah, I, I definitely think they blew up in their face. But I, like I said, I can just see the dirty little tactics, like them laying the groundwork. And I, and that's what I think. And Wizards already had kind of started this. If you notice in their official response, it's like the third line talks about how we were only doing this to protect the the community from you know for you know for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm like, that's not that's not that's not random. That that's like the third thing they wrote on their official statement. They're trying to use it to shield their money grab, and that bothers me because. Whether, you know, it's like, you know, like we talked about before, you know, there are certainly gatekeepers and bad people in the community. You've had a couple of weirdos. I've had a bunch of weirdos and people that bring a bunch of, uh, you know, baggage and shit and a bad name. I totally, that exists 100%. I get that. Everybody should be against that. But to try to use use that as the crutch upon which you steal everyone's content seems a bit disingenuous. That's my opinion on it, but we are long into the show, gentlemen. Jugan, thank you very much for being here. For those of you that have stuck out with us, stuck stuck around with us this long, thank you very much. Uh, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe to the show. Let your friends know about it. Check us out. We will repost the episode tomorrow at our usual time, so uh, for anybody who missed the live, you can come back in and check out the whole thing on our Facebook page. Join us there. Join us on Discord. Check out our Patreon. Look forward to our next Kickstarter and the rest of our shows that we're going to be releasing in the near future. And I think that's all I got to say about that. Doc, do you want to start the closing statements? Yeah, I'll start it out. I say, hey, remember, no matter how you start out, you always start out odd. But with effort and creativity, you always roll initiative with the prime advantage. 
and thanks Jugen for like having a leap of faith and just hey, this Dr. Platorius dude I'm going to be on his <laughs> show so thank you Merwin? Yeah, thanks. Oh, thanks everybody for being with us and like I always say you know, you play tabletop RPGs because they are limitless, so why listen to conversations that are any different? You guys have a good night, evening internet. Thank you, Jugan. We'll see you guys Thank next you. Monday. Assuming I can get out of the show because I clicked the button and it didn't work. There we go. Why is it muted? Worst podcast ever. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs>